Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your also and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Calls, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? Hard turn! Sweet! I've been watching curling, Kate. Mixed doubles curling. <laughs> well, when starts, you... starts before starts before the um starts before the opening ceremonies, which is really handy for me. And I also apologize because that was probably a terrible audio experience for our listeners. <laughs> I'll, I'll 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 tweak the levels a little bit, but yeah. No, I had no idea what you're doing until you got to sweep, and I was like, ah ah, I know what that means. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it is Olympic season officially. Noel, are are you planning to watch much of the Olympics? I I, I care. I, I watch curling, and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um. So once curling finishes, or once I get like my quota that I my body needs every four years, um, then I just turn it off. But I've recorded everything that's <laughs> airing for like the next two weeks. So. <laughs> okay then. Yeah. What about you? Do you watch any at all? or Well, sometimes, but I just am not interested this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I do enjoy curling when I when I watch it. And again, this is where I should throw in a little audio from Jonathan Colton's uh, Curl. And the red and the white and the blue because he knows he's got the curl. Because he knows he's got the curl. Uh, that is delightful and I enjoy it and I still have it surprisingly memorized um but uh but no i just i i've got too much that i need to do so i don't have i don't have the time um i feel like the the time zone and the time zone difference makes it really difficult whereas doesn't make it super difficult for me because living living much closer to korea than i used to yeah (laughs) yes that is quite the difference and you also run earlier in the day too i do yeah so then like that that works out that works out for you um yeah i just I'm sure I will see really sweet stuff popping up in my Twitter feed, and then I will watch those clips. That's yeah. currently my plan. I saw the people were very excited about the is it the guy, the, the flag guy from, is it Ta- Tonga? Togo? Where's the, where's the country is that flag guy from? I don't even know what you're talking about, so I have no, I can't help you at all. I'm you, very you surprised. You threw a lifeline, and I just went, meh. Let her drown. I don't know. It's the it's the bare chested, super built guy who's got the flag. Anyways, I, yeah, I legitimately have no idea what you're talking okay, about. Okay, you need to do some googling. This. You missed a cultural reference clearly four years ago. People were very excited that he was back this year. Um, mm-hmm. but this is we're getting distracted. We it's going to be a long episode this week, guys, because we got a lot of catch up to do. I have watched the shows this week. So, so many shows, Kate. I was really looking forward to another light week, and they're just like, "No, I'm going to watch everything." I'm going to catch you, even. <laughs> well, I had a lot of catching up to do. I still have not caught up on the shy, so I'm going to try to have that one caught up for next week. But uh, yeah, we will we will try to keep things not super long. We'll see how it goes. At the end of the show, we're talking about One Day at a Time season two, which I make no promises about keeping that conversation short because we love that no. show. It's so good, and this season was so good. Yeah, yeah. More of that. Uh, more on that, and of that. <laughs> at the- it, it may just be us going. Yee! 
for 30 minutes, guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. That's probably what's going to happen, folks. Yeah, he, he, he only speaks the truth. Um, that'll be at the end of the show. Uh, we wanted to mention a few things here at the top. First of all, thank you to Alex McLevy, who apparently listens to the podcast and gave us a shout out in a write-up he did over at uh, Subcast about different uh, great nine great TV podcasts and why it's harder to, to find them. Um, I, I It is hard to find uh, TV podcasts and good TV podcasts specifically. I, I, I have sought them <laughs> and had trouble because it's like, what do you search? TV review. Like review just like pops up everything and lots of, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's challenging to find good ones. So it was uh, very much appreciated to show up on that list and with, with, excellent company the ones uh, on that list that i listen to are all terrific and the other ones are ones that clearly i should check out um so thank you alex um we also should mention some of the tv news brian fuller his is no longer with american gods there was some more scuttlebutt that came out about that uh as well apparently it was a rather cantankerous work relationship there between the some of the the suits and the the people from the um, from the the network or the the station, I, sh- I guess I should say from from channel. Yeah, from the channel. Thank you. Um, as well as with with Gaiman, you know, there's tension with them and with uh, Brian Fuller and Michael Green. So they they left that. My, Fuller has also left Amazing Stories, um, and uh, I, I I no longer look at Brian Fuller's involvement in something as a sign that it will be awesome. Um, sure. After, after American gods and after yeah. star Trek, star Trek and, and some of these other ones. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if he's just stretched too thin or yeah, the, there, he was doing a lot of shows at once there in the last few years. So hopefully he'll be able to find the right project and focus in, um, on a maybe related note. Uh, what's the other big <laughs> TV news? Uh, so Bob Iger um, over at Disney announced that they're finally going forward with some Star Wars television series mm-hmm. um, that aren't animated, I would presume. Um, this has been something that Lucasfilm has been trying to get off the ground for years, even before the buyout um, happened. And so I know it's probably been a priority, but it's also been an issue of like, where do you put these shows? Because Disney would very much, Disney, as I've repeatedly told people, likes to own what it makes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't want anyone else to have access to it. So Iger has said that it will probably be on their uh, forthcoming all Disney streaming thing that all their movies and stuff are going to be transferred to in the coming year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, yeah, and it, as uh, um, Gavia uh, Baker or uh, Whitelaw over at Daily Dot tweeted, it's not suspicious at all that Brian Fuller is just like, oh, yeah, got holes in my schedule, and there are Star Wars series in production, apparently, <laughs> or like being developed. And it's just like, hmm, I wonder what he may be doing. And so I, it, it's I, Baker Whitelaw is probably onto something <laughs> given brian fuller but i i was just amused that all of this basically came out at once and Iger mentioned that they were pretty close to announcing sort of creative talent mm-hmm. for one of the projects and uh yeah it's just super suspicious that he leaves amazing stories which is was at apple and i totally forgot that apple was even trying to do something mm-hmm. and then they're just like yeah he left it was super cool guys and now she's like star wars show <laughs> you will see what happens with that uh no we're not talking about other tv talent moving to star wars because we don't care about game of thrones so hey on the upside it means confederates 
almost certainly dead. Which, which is, is very exciting. Which is very exciting. I'm not excited about them being given a Star Wars trilogy, but I am excited that Confederacy or Confederate or whatever it was going to be called is dead. Yeah. Almost certainly. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, for my thoughts on this, uh, go read Mo Ryan's piece about how 96% of the writers and, and and directors for all the all of the Star Wars projects have been white dudes. Um, yeah. When I saw that news, people, like, Twitter was very excited about that. Just in general, oh. journalist Twitter was very excited. And I was like, uh, huh. Because my first thought was was just sinking disappointment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, that was mine. Yeah. Uh, anyways, more on that as it develops. More on, you know, Brian Fuller and what he's got cooking, you know, as we learn more. But we should get into our week in TV. So we're going to take a break. We're going to listen to a little music from the Four Brothers, and we'll be right back with our week in TV. That was oh man okay that was Pasi Panopane Zvidzo I Z V I E D Z O I don't know how to print I don't have a coach in that the the language that, that was in <laughs> which I don't even know what's called because I'm a terrible American um but that was the song featured in this week's episode of the Amazing Race by which is by the four brothers there'll be a link in the the show notes so you guys can click on it it was super catchy and super fun we're gonna be talking about uh, the Amazing Race here at the start of our weekend reeling comedy that was all spare and love and war then we'll talk Top Chef Colorado Red Rum and then some Drag Race All Stars. <laughs> The Bitchler. I just, I just, I enjoy these titles. Um, move over then to Grownish and catch up with that show and specifically this week's episode, Unbreak My Heart, followed by Fresh Off the Boat, Ride the Tiger, and we'll round things out with Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Nathaniel and I are just friends! Exclamation point. Um, okay, so first up is The Amazing Race. I will have lots to say about the music challenge, uh, but we should start with Noel. What did you think about the partner swap in the first of these two partners? They're trying so hard to make the pit stops, like, really dramatic, and it's exhausting. Mm. Like, the whole, no, sorry, I understand why they can't check you in before your partner gets there, because it mm. wasn't going to be, like, a long-term thing that they were good to, they were just going to do it for, like, this little leg. Mm. But it just, it adds, it just adds to the sort of manufactured drama that they're doing with the pit stops, with the head-to-heads. And so I was just like, why did we switch partners if you were, A, only going to do it for this leg, and B for that was it and then it was just like oh so you can have more drama for the pit stop oh okay well this was fun and pointless <laughs> yeah i think that for for me i liked it a lot more than you did um yeah. i thought that it was fun because it was a non-elimination leg but the thing mm-hmm. is you can't 
really pull that again. Yeah. Um, so that's a one-off because next time, if they try to do this in the next season, then it will be assumed that it is a non-elimination leg unless they specifically say that it's not. And then that yeah. you're tipping your hand too much. So, so, but I think instead it, it gave a little more uh, variety and purpose to the non-elimination leg. And it also was sort of like a way to group them you know, have them clump up a little bit more um, in a way that is more creative than just limiting. It's like, everybody sleep and get up at 7 a.m., you know? Like, yeah. it, at least there was, you know, like, they so they end up clumping these teams together uh, in, in sets of two for the next day's uh, adventures. What did you think of the the challenges? The the Jeep thing, the 4x4 versus the, the detail, like riding the horses, and there was the paddling. Uh, what, how'd, you, how'd you feel like they handled, the, the show handled that, like, game reserve that they were at in Zimbabwe? Uh, I, the challenges I thought were fine. Um, I think that they were waiting for the different dynamics that they had created with the partner swap to really kind of propel a lot of these. And I think that the big failure with that was the fact that they got to choose who they got partnered with, basically. Um, yeah. Which basically, it flattens everything out mm-hmm. in terms of like potential conflicts. And so everyone ends up generally working really well together. And so it just becomes that they just have someone different with them, but they like them for the most part. So it's like, well, it's okay. We can just work through this and work work with one another and we're on the same boat type of thing. So it resulted in like, I think, fairly easy-ish sort of challenges, not having the oomph that they were expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, as sar- apart from having to remember where they found the poaching evidence, which was a nice little like twist on what they thought was going to be something relatively easy, and then going, oh well, it's going to take us ten times to do this, and also Evan's not going to help us. Um, <laughs> oh I my hate god! Her now, and it's just like, why would Evan help you? <laughs> oh my god! Why would Evan help you? First of all, second yeah. of all, you like the Big Brother teammate had been actively working against other people in the previous right. legs yeah. so why would they help you in the first place and second of all why would they help someone who has been intentionally duplicitous to other teams yeah and then like, yeah and and i you i mean some of this may be editing of course we don't know who these people are in real life we only know the versions of them that's that are presented to us on television but the versions uh, they were on big brother <laughs> the versions of these characters on tell that are presented to us on television yeah. it is the the woman in that team who's mm-hmm. terrible and right. she was making her she was making her partner from team extreme worse yes. with, just by yeah. being around her yeah. <laughs> you know like I just she was trying to like steer him back you know steer her back and be like okay but let's not focus on what they're doing let's just focus on what we're doing and like how yeah. you know instead of constantly complaining and whining and not contributing and not helping with anything, which was what she was doing consistently from the tent all the way through to the end. Yep. Um, so yeah, this, this episode, what it, what it succeeded in was making me like team brother even less. And yeah, then which wasn't a, which wasn't a particularly high bar for me to clear, <laughs> but yeah, they did it, <laughs> but they also managed to make me like team extreme less Mm-hmm. And it's not great. No, uh, but I did like the dude in the Big Brother team more. Yeah, I will until... say. <laughs> yeah, until but um, but the um, and and it also liked the indie team less because they U turned the Yaleys, yeah. even though they're not 
I don't think they're one of the, the strongest teams just because physically, you know, there's going to be all these physical challenges that they aren't yeah. going to be able to live up to. But um, yeah, well, Henry was really struggling with that uh, uh, winch. The winch. winch. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 And that's that's sort of like why the four by four challenge was kind of ridiculous, because that was all there was to it. <laughs> yeah, it was just that. Well, and I loved like when the first team showed up at the mat and they're like, yeah. That was fast. It's like, yeah, yeah. You and and it, you weren't supposed to be able to do that. <laughs> um, but but of course, as soon as they got over that that one yeah. side of it, that deteriorated yeah. it. So then the next team was definitely right. getting stuck. Yeah. Um, so I think whoever had been first on that left side, unless they it, like if they drove right, would have gotten over it. But um, yes. it just happened who was there. Uh, but no, I, but it did make me like and enjoy the lifeguards more. Who had been getting okay. on my nerves a bit? So They're still it, getting on my nerves. So <laughs> like it was sort of a rejiggering, and I enjoyed the the firefighter twins significantly more. I was like down with them by the by the end of of these episodes, and very disappointed when they got eliminated. You know, I yeah. enjoy a pun. Um, yeah, we were, they had so many this this week. <laughs> <laughs> but just watching um, how outwardly antagonistic and mean antagonistic towards others and um entitled uh several teams specifically big brother felt having the firefighter twins be like the opposite of that was yeah. really refreshing and so i enjoyed it them was. a lot more do you have yeah. any other thoughts on, on these before we get to the music no, why don't you tell me about the music? Uh, because my whole thing was, and I tweeted this to you, is that even your suggestions would have just made me not do it <laughs> very well. I mean, I kept watching that music challenge and going, well, whomever I'd be going right, racing with would be taking care of this one. And then the show was like, oh, no, both of you are doing this. And I just went, oh, no. I loved the placement of it. I thought it was a terrific uh, challenge. I didn't, for me, I didn't think mm -hmm. it was hard. Right. Especially well, no, like, naturally, sure. The musician well, doesn't think it's hard. <laughs> no, but like the, the the level that they were letting them pass on mm -hmm. was like yeah. was Pretty, very yeah. low. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. <laughs> um, but the, the the song was catchy because it, it was such it was very repetitive, and we were only really hearing a very small part. It's a five minute song. We were only hearing a small part of it, but mm -hmm. I didn't get tired of it. So but, I appreciate no. that, and it was. I, I really appreciated them after them doing a clumping everybody together and then doing a double U-turn and with challenges that, you know, if you had to do the winch right into like rolling the tire and running around the mall, like you'd be freaking tired. So, yeah. so I liked that they set up a challenge that if the violinists and the string players had been there, oh God, man, they would have slaughtered. They would have destroyed. But anybody, but a lot of other people were going to really struggle with that one. Yeah, it was it was nice to have a challenge like that to to make it not an inevitability that whoever got mm -hmm. U-turned was definitely eliminated. Yeah, that's very true. And that's a problem I think the show has too often, where it just turns into a race, like like they said, like uh, I think it was Henry said, it's basically just a head to head. Yeah. So I like I liked that they, they kept things much more interesting. Um. But so the the thing with the song was, um, because I was watching this going like, okay, the they're seemingly all doing fine on the language, like are yeah. good enough on the language. The issue is just their rhythm; they're all slowing down. Why are they like? It's a very clear beat, like, and, and like they're they're even moving their bodies correctly. Like you can tell they're feeling the beat, but they're just all messing it up. What is like? 
I guess I just take that for granted. And I do take it for granted because I've been studying music since I was five years old. So, of course, this is something that would be very tailored to my skills and, and to things that I've just surrounded myself with my entire life and been surrounded by my entire life. But when I listen to the song um today to get to you know pull it up for the podcast i was like oh here's what's going on so uh noel the the rhythm for the beat is mixed meter so it's three plus two plus three is the 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 rhythmic pattern so instead of like five six seven it's one two three one two one two three one two three one two one two three so like the steady like if you clapped along it it doesn't the, the, the underneath the like denominator, it's all eighth notes so, or quarter notes, whatever they want it to be, but it's steady. So it feels like you could just go like one, two, one, two, what, but it's in three. So they're like, okay, one, two, three, one, two, three, one. I got this, but then the middle one is only two. And that's why they kept getting behind because they were coming from a Western classical art music background or just or the music that has derived from that over you know thousands of years um where you tend not to have mixed meters in the same way you tend not to have things that are where the the length of the larger beat changes they were expecting it to be consistent so they would and because there were two sets of three with one set of two in the middle and then it repeats you'd get two sets of three in a row and then a set of two and then two sets of three. And so they would get, they would get off and then it'd be like confused. And then they would feel this, the th- one, two, three, one, two, three. Okay. I got it. One, two. And then they'd be like, now I got it. And as soon as they felt like they had it, they would be, hit a two right. and then be immediately off again and, and, and assume that they had done something wrong when it was the only mistake they were making was not feeling that the middle one shouldn't match the other two. Um, does this make sense? Somewhat. I mean, you lost me pretty much at the beginning when you're describing meter stuff, because I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> but um, what the general principle of what you're describing makes sense to me. So Yeah, so it's just, it's, it's and when they were like moving their shoulders, that was the subdivision within that. So like one, two, three, one, two, one, two. So like instead of having each one be three, they're all equal, they're all square and lines up like that. Instead of being nine, eight, the way that they wanted it to, it was three plus two plus three. Eight. <laughs> one plus one plus two plus one. Yes, indeed, and that's what, but that's what they always got behind in the same places, and they in the same right. Words. No, that I noticed. Um, yeah, so. and yeah. it wasn't that they were saying the words too slow; it was that they were making the words too long and not coming in with the next words soon enough because they thought they had more time before the next words needed to come in to be with the beat. So what I, what I was telling you know we were talking on Twitter, I was telling you I would do is I would have put slashes on the words for them for which words need to be with the beat. Yeah. And then, and then, and then if they, if the violinists, if the musicians had been there, they would have figured out that rhythmic thing immediately. Yeah. Cause like, I noticed it as soon as I started listening to the beginning of the song, because I'm trained to do, that's what I do. Um, and it's like, Oh, okay. That's why. So if, if they had figured that out, if any of the teams had figured that out, the rest would have like synced right up. It would have been just fine. And so you could see some of the team members did, 
even if they couldn't verbalize it, they like they had internalized that pulse pretty quickly. Like um one of Team Extreme, the one who was with uh who did the four by four, she figured that out pretty quickly. But her teammate who had done this like the the horseback riding just just was completely lost. It was it was an interesting, fun challenge and one that I enjoyed uh reliving today as I pieced it as I listened to the song and they pieced it all together. Let's move on then to the next uh to the next reality show. Though I do want to mention I you know Yaley who was trying to call out his teammates Henry. uh yeah. Henry who was trying to call out the sexism of yeah girls are just better remembering stuff. It's like no I think it's it's just Evan is good at this yeah no all girls they just remember stuff better. Like <laughs> I see you Henry trying to like gently nudge your it's like no that's actually really sexist and let's not make assumptions based on gender. Okay, we're moving on. And so, also that one team basically proves his point is in factually incorrect anyway yes very <laughs> very incorrect well and i also love because of course they just assumed that evan was smart and her partner was done but but her partner on that challenge was helping her place right. those just as much there was a very equal partnership they both had yeah. ca- caught details and helped each other so yeah, yeah that was part of them working well together so yeah that was that was an entertaining little like i liked that they kept that in the edit yeah me too. Um, <laughs> let's go over to top chef colorado uh so this season has very much been structured as a bruce victory lap right so right. color me surprised when we get to the like second to last episode here but or at least the last episode before the finale two-part finale and mm-hmm. bruce is out and he doesn't come back through last chance kitchen nope it's it's really it's it's surprising, but also like I'm very kind of okay with it. In part mm-hmm. because I'm really expecting Brother to come back from Last Chance Kitchen and just win this thing at this point. Um, and I feel like that that's what's going to happen. Um, as I feel like I sort of predicted at the beginning of all this when I said Brother was looking really solid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I appreciated that, and I also sort of appreciated like the little dip that Bruce had anyway in this episode. Where he's just like, I don't know that I really want to be here anymore. I've got a kid. I really yeah. want to spend time with that kid. And so I mean, it, it felt sort of like the right time anyway. And he was aware of the fact that he had... It was probably too late for him to dig himself out of the hole that he was in. Yeah, unless he Last Chance Kitchen did. And yeah. It sounds like he did a good job. Just Yeah, the Last Chance Kitchen challenge um, challenges, I should say, because they did two-part uh, this week. Uh, we're both very good. Um, like he went out making porridge. Uh, mm-hmm. Clickio made them make porridge. Um, he made the three bears make porridge. Um, so, but yeah, I think it just, I think it was time and I'm okay with that. And now it feels very much like it for me anyway, it feels very much like a, um, feels very much like a Carrie and a Chris competition at this point. Um, but we'll see. How are you feeling? Yeah, I thought the inclusion of I was watching the editing as you know we I think we often do. I don't want to speak for you, Noel, but I think I do too. I, I know I do this. And I would assume you do too. Uh, as the episode was going along, it's like, huh, some of these choices. Okay, either Carrie and this Carrie, Chris, and Bruce are getting specific edits. Yes, one of them is going home. Yes, it's. It. I don't think it's going to be Chris. From no. the thing they gave him, it sounds which yes. sounds like they're setting up finale stuff yes. for him. So it's either going to be Carrie or Bruce. Mm-hmm. 
So either it's, either it's going to be I'm going to go home and be with my kid or it's I'm going to go home and take care of my dad. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. what they're setting up. So um I yeah, I thought it was I thought it was interesting and I you know, I really I like the challenge, but I really liked Kalikio just stepping in and saying, "Hey guys, stop sucking." Yeah. I think it was needed, and it gave them the the like we talked about last week. It gave them the kick in the butt that they needed to, you know, to feel a little less secure. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was important. And I think it coming on the heels of a him basically tearing them apart last week, but also him uh, not them, but the challenge nature of the challenge itself of like looking back at your Top Chef journey. You need to make this good. Uh, because a this is reflective of us by extension, so please make this tasty. But also, let's let's see what your swan song is essentially going to be before we like head into this finale. And so, I really liked both the short, the shining inspired thing. Um, particularly like Chris's dish was just delightful and fun mm-hmm. and really whimsical. I really liked what he did with that. Um, and but then I also liked how Chris sort of went. No, everyone sort of really influenced me, and that's been my takeaway. And so I'm going to sort of do a dish that doesn't really work based on everyone else. And I I liked that concept, even if it apparently just didn't taste very good. I liked the story and the concept behind it, which I think is maybe why he was able to skate by, in addition to Bruce just, like, sort of flatlining. Yeah. I was surprised when Joe won, because it seemed like they liked Carrie's they the like carry dish, carries dish so much. Yeah. So, they, yeah, they, I was they, really confused by that. They should have done a better job with the editing to, yeah. to let us know that Joe was a serious contender. Because it was like, oh, finally, they're doing good food again. And they're yeah. like, we love this dish for yeah. Carrie. So, I, yeah, that, that was a disconnect in the editing, I would say. But, um, but no, I'm, I appreciated Adrian stepping up. I appreciated uh, the whimsy of Chris with that quick fire. And I like how he presented his dish. And I was like, yeah, this is what I actually wanted from everyone. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, it, this is what I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of that challenge they did with Charlize Theron judging back when uh, Snow White came out forever ago. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. And that was a similar, like, kind of ghoulish, you know, challenge that, that yeah. was super fun. And they... Where, where they com- really yeah. rewarded the people who went for it. Yeah. And th- that's the thing, like, I mean, we can notice with them is that these are folks who are really creative in certain ways. But if you ask them to get outside that box, they just kind of go, uh, no, that's not how we work. We are not confectioner, um, fun people. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. Very we don't serious do, chefs. <laughs> like, like you're saying, whimsy. We don't do whimsy. That's not yeah. our thing. Um, Yeah. yeah. So it was fun. We'll see what comes with the finale. And I think it's going to be Joe. Yeah. He's going to be brother. Yeah. From the editing. But it could okay. be. Yeah. I, I really. Th- I, if like I really. Th- I, I think it's probably going to be brother. But uh-huh. I really don't think it's going to be Joe. So. <laughs> well, then it means it has to be brother because there's only two yeah. left. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the um, just the, the editing, the angles and stuff makes it looks like it's I guess they're both tall. They're both very tall. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, anyway, I'm going to enjoy seeing either of them back in the challenge. Yeah. In the competition, I should say. Oh, no, I thought you meant the other Joe in like the final. No, I think it's brother. Sorry, I forgot that there were two Joes. 
Ah, yes. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, yeah. in the who's coming back for yeah. Last Chance Kitchen. Yes, no, I should have been more clear about my Joes. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, let's move on to Drag Race All-Stars and The Bitchler. And this was a much better showing from the yes. queens. I think we can both agree. Did you enjoy yeah. uh, the the challenges? Did you enjoy the, the various uh, types that they had? And, and did this make you any more interested in tuning back into Unreal? No, it did not make me more interested in turning <laughs> back into Unreal. Um, I don't think anything will make that happen. But uh, but yeah, no, I thought this challenge uh, worked well. Um, it, it runs a little long, which is like my only big complaint, especially in like how long these All-Star episodes are. Um, so having like scenes with each of them is is how they have to structure it but it's also just like oh but maybe you could have like done four in the scene instead of two two and two and just like run this a little bit quicker was basically sort of what i was wanting um just because sometimes when there's dead air especially like when we're watching um chi chi um chi chi yes yeah really really struggle it's just like oh this is bad but also like watching milk and trixie scene is also something that just sort of like really lags and you can it, you can feel it on like what they're going to be talking about later at the judges table, but it's also like not a great television experience. <laughs> um, so it's finding a balance between that. And it's really difficult to do that with this kind of a challenge, unless they're all sort of in the scene together. Like they are in some of like the big sort of like film or television homages that they've done later in like the regular seasons, like the 90210 stuff or the hard camp movie that they've yeah. done in the past as well. Um, but it's still really funny and really enjoyable and you're getting to see, uh, the Queens do good things and figure out things to do. So I, I'm, I was really enjoying that. And I liked, uh, quite a few of the runway looks, especially Aja's, I think was probably my favorite. Um, especially after she removed the, um, whatchamacallit, the big plastic wig first, mm -hmm. and then just like stripped it down to this very anime inspired sort of mecha plug suit with all the bows on it. Just really, really worked for me and made me very happy. And this was like the first time where I kind of went, ah, this is what Aja like does. Um, and has like talked about doing on her season but never really came through as much as i was hoping for it to and now it's like coming through really clearly in a lot of her runway works and that's making me very happy um so how did you feel about uh the challenge and the runway looks this week i liked this challenge uh they didn't all do that great but i liked you know i appreciate challenges that separate the queens from like from the entertainers yeah you know, that separate the, the all-stars here from the people who are good at at what they do, but they only do a very limited range. So I appreciated, you know, like Milk really going for it, but Milk needed a check. She needed yeah. a serious reality check. It's like, it's like, all, like the different queens being like, really? You, you think you legitimately thought last week you would be in the top and you think you deserve to be in the top again this week? Because, like, did you – how could you possibly think that after yeah. watching the various reactions? Even just, like, when were they laughing a lot? When were they not? Um, so I was – even though Chi-Chi did worse yeah, in theory, I was very ready for Milk to go because at least Chi-Chi knows that she needs to do yeah. better. Yeah, Milk doesn't think she needs to do better, so she's not going to improve. She's just going to, you know, complain that her genius is not appreciated. So she needs to be, you know – Smack down a little bit, give it a little reality check, and hopefully this will help that. Um, 
I really liked to see seeing Kevin Kennedy just like destroy was terrific and to go such a different way with the I I loved the how elegant and dramatic she went for the lip sync. Yes. Which was such a wonderful contrast to everything she was doing throughout her her improv. Mm-hmm. Um I thought Bendela continues to crush it, yeah. even though her lip sync wasn't nearly as good. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that she went for something different, but yeah. uh, and and I really don't want if she's up there again. I really don't want to see her do another like just revert back to the same comedy thing. Also, Bendela, you need to stop with all the you know. It's just so hard having to choose each week for the third time who yeah. I want to send no, home. Like that, I was just like, oh man, Bendela, no, this is this is a very bad look for you, my friend. Yeah, well, it's just just you're putting it on too thick. You're like, yeah. it's just it's way too thick. Unless you want this to pivot into a villain edit, which it could do really, really easily. Yeah. <laughs> it would be very easy for someone like Aja to become or Trixie mm-hmm. to become the the heart and the like the soul of the season and Bendela to become a villain like yeah absolutely so she's got to be careful with that um as far as the as far as the other queens go uh you know I, I appreciated what some of them were doing I really did like the the hair skirt thing that Bendela did I thought that was creative and, and fun and something yeah. to, to separate separate herself out I do feel like Trixie did not get enough love and um maybe should have been there at the end instead of Bendela even though Bendela I mean, really, I feel like there should have been a top three. What did you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I I'd agree with that. I think I think Trixie did a really nice job with her runway look, and I, I think that the reason why there wasn't a top three is that it was just really difficult for Trixie to come in mm-hmm. and like push back against Milk during the Bitchler um, sequence, and I think that's what hurt her. And the fact that the judges sort of didn't like, sort of. Make an allowance for that, I think, was a little off. So, yeah, I see what I see. I I, I don't disagree. Yeah. yeah. Um, are you excited for Snatch Game next week? Oh, a Snatch Game next week? That's very yes. exciting. Yes, I am excited for that. I always enjoy Snatch Game. Yeah. And l- let me ask you something, because I feel like this has been sort of a thing. Do you feel like they're sort of like leaning a little heavily on comedy stuff up, up top right now? They are. But the okay. they haven't for the looks, and yeah. um, and I also think that since they so clearly have set all the challenges far in advance, mm-hmm. so that every because they want the all stars to all look immaculate, right? So they're giving them lots of time to create everything that they you know all the wigs and all the costumes that they're going to do. That means they're not going to do crafting challenges, right? So if they're not going to do sewing or crafting challenges. At a certain point, there's only so so they've done the stage show, which wasn't comedy, I right. don't think. But they've, it it but they gave them personas for each of them to succeed. But they also like it felt like even like their section of the lyrics were sort of tailored to like work best for them. Yes. So like giving Ben de la Creme Julie Andrews and then a rapping Julie Andrews is like just it's a fastball straight down the middle. Yeah, so that's a comedy bit, but it's to a comedy queen, so it mm-hmm. feels appropriate. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so I would expect them to do some to to change it up and do some glamour stuff, which they haven't really had to do. But 
Um, yeah, but if you remove crafting challenges from the list of potential things, then there's hosting, there's lip syncing, which they've done a lot of, yeah. and there's only so many different categories. So I don't know what they're going to do after they get through Snatch Game. What other kinds of challenges do you think that they can do to kind of counterbalance for this over-reliance on, on comedy? Right, and that's the thing is like I'm not quite sure what they can do apart from just surprising them with sort of a crafting thing and being like, "All right, if you're an all star, let's see you really do this." Then, mm-hmm. as apart from well, we do want them to look good, but it's I, I feel like I need like a little bit more variety because I do feel like they're really that based on the challenges and we're only three episodes in, so this is like a weird thing to get focused on. But it's just like I really do feel like they're setting up like Bendelacrum to win. And it's sort of like being like, all right, but other people are doing a good job here. Um, And it's just like, it's like, it's still just very much in uh, Ben's uh, particular sort of work wheelhouse that they're bet that she's benefiting enough. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I I, I feel like they need, I'm ready for like something different to like come through here that, um, Mm -hmm pushes them in different directions um the only other thing i'll like mention format wise and this is also from me being like these episodes are like a little too long is i was really glad kennedy was just like i don't really need to hear from any of you <laughs> yeah i was just yeah. like oh everyone should do this because then it's just like you lose like that extra like 15 minutes of runtime yeah. and i'm just like oh th- Thank you, Kennedy. I like you a lot more now because of this choice. <laughs> well, especially when Bendla has been talking to these people the last several weeks. So we don't yeah. need to see you talk to Chi-Chi again. Right. Like, we know what's yeah. going to happen. So I'm not that interested, I got to say, in the curveball that you know is headed, you know, soon uh, right. with, with the returning queens. But um, either – Honestly, I don't miss any of them yet. No, so neither do I. We'll see what happens with that. But yeah. uh, I'm certainly looking forward to Snatch Game next week. They already did the reading challenge, so we yeah. won't have the mini challenge. But hopefully they the queens all have at least a couple options of, you know, of, of, of characters they can pull out that they will nail. The bar for Snatch Game during All-Stars is very high. So yeah. I hope they can live up to it. Let's pivot now. Let's move over to our week in comedy and start with Gronish, Unbreak My Heart. So we haven't talked about this for a while. How mm-hmm. do you feel like Gronish is growing into its <laughs> first season? Uh, this is this is okay. Um, I'm liking like elements of it, but it still feels like uh, disjointed in places for me in a lot of in a lot of ways. Like I, the supporting cast just like kind of like bobs and weaves in and out a lot, um, which is I think the nature of having such a large cast um but it and it makes sort of like when they all come together i'm just like because you guys seem to spend a lot of time together but i don't get to see you spending a lot of time together sometimes it feels like um especially uh the fellow who deals drugs i just feel like he's very periphery and also um the guy who is in zoe's like fashion classes like just doesn't exist in this particular episode um and so the it's a little weird sometimes the the way that they're struggling to balance this very kind of unwieldy cast that they have um but then there's also the fact that i'm just like i really was pumped about that adderall plot and it has not come back at all no but i expect it will <laughs> yeah no the i expect the season 
I expect it will by the end of the season as well. Yeah, but it's also just like, I feel like that would have played a part in this sort of like emotional breakdown that she has over Cash. And it doesn't like even blip. No. Um, and so I'm I'm liking it, but it, it very much feels like it knows what it is. And I'm still like, uh, you feel a little wobbly still. Um, I feel like there's still stuff that can be massaged. Um, how are you feeling? Yeah, the... Um, the focus being so heavy on cash for the last few episodes, I think, yeah. has been uh, – I, I didn't need it. it yeah. was, I don't really care that much. Right. And it was, they were just starting to do something interesting with it, and then they jettisoned the character. Yes. So, so either they needed to commit to that character – for another like four or five episodes so that right, we actually for the rest of the season basically care yeah so we cared when they broke up or not and um having so clearly like otp guy there yeah. in the ensemble and giving him nothing else to do or nothing new to do doesn't help with that right. so you know they didn't want they didn't want um him to be like her first significant relationship on the show so they wanted to give this this thing with cash enough time to really grow and and to feel legitimate as far as like a part of her emotional and um interpersonal development in college but then they also wanted to clear the deck so they could you know work towards their OTP for for later on and um I you know I just hope that they have more interesting things planned. Some of the stuff that they've like really explored has been really interesting and fun and certainly worthy of the conversation. And other stuff just feels very typical to the genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I hope that they have more planned and it's stuff that I have not even anticipated. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping too cuz like there are glimmers of an interesting show sort of coming through particularly like Nomi's whole thing with um the lesbian she was dating who breaks up with her because she's bisexual and then her sort of struggle with um dating a bisexual man. It was just like this is sort of this is an interesting sort of conversation that the show sort of like meta references and like well, it's the Zoe show so we can't really spend too much time with this. So we're not and we'll make it a tension between Nomi and Zoe, but like not a massive amount of tension because we still really want you to like like Zoe, and we don't want to repeat the whole Zoe's a terrible human being um, mm-hmm. thing that we did in the pilot. And it's it's there's this weird, again. This goes back to their cat their their cast just being very very large, and not being able to balance that really really nicely. But then again there's like glimmers of like good stuff like even all that cash stuff that we get about um fame in college uh the money that colleges spend that but that athletes don't really see a cut of and this sort of a thing i think is really good but the show doesn't like fully like tackle these issues with in the amount of time that they need to and this like gets back to like the adderall thing is like this is something that should be a little more like present within the narrative and is just sort of getting regulated probably towards the end. And so it's again, I, again, I keep saying balance, but I feel like that that's really the big issue that Gronish is having is that it's really struggling to balance a lot of these neat, I these neat ideas that fit a lot of what free forms, more serious stuff like explores, but they're, they're not integrating it well into this sort of single camp sitcom college experience sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree and I cannot put it better. So I'm a, I'm just good cosign. Oh, I never get that. Yes. <laughs> Everything Noel just said. 
Um, okay, let's let's move over to Fresh Off the Boat and Ride the Tiger. I liked this episode. I thought it was a solid installment. I liked that they very uh, distinctly put an end to the year of bad luck for yes. for Evan. Uh, sorry, for Emery. Um, but you were more of a fan of this one than I was. What did you think of this episode? Well, one, I do agree that putting it into the year of bad luck was good, um, even though it also means like we're rapidly approaching like 1999 on this show, and that's making me just like really nervous. <laughs> Um, um, mainly because they're going to run out of 90s jokes to start making, and then we're going to have to deal with, um, like, early aught jokes, and I'm not prepared for that, Kate. I am not prepared for that. (laughs) Um, just not. Um, so, right, I was, I was, I think, like, the big thing that worked this week for me, in addition, and this follows, like, a thread that happened last week, is that everyone gets paired off really nicely this week so we've get eddie with um grandma which is like really nice to see grandma um like involved in like a c-plot even if it's still a c-plot like she's involved with one of the kids very directly so i really like that but then like lewis is paired off with um paired off with emery and then jessica's feud with evan about speaking mandarin as part of like a new year's a new year's contest is just so delightful and it's just really funny and it appeals to like their sort of like mirrored selves sort of connections that they've established between these two characters really nicely is that they're sort of just extensions of one another. So I really liked how this played out and how the episode just refused to let up on it until like the very, very end of that plot. Um, so I really liked that a lot and it, it tickled me to no end. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just, I will always enjoy Evan and Jessica trying to, like, out-stamina each other, you know? Yes. Or yeah. basically, like, Evan trying to out-Jessica Jessica and vice yeah. versa. So so, so that did work nicely. And just Honey's confusion was a nice <laughs> way to Am I supposed to answer that. this phone? What's, what's going on here? And <laughs> just, like, then everyone's be like, no, nah, I'm just... I'm just leaving y'all to this. I'm just, yeah. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to go. <laughs> like, Lewis yeah. just going to work. He's like, you guys can deal with this. Uh, was, was appropriate. Uh, yeah. It, I, I just, I, I, I agree with everything you said. It just it didn't stick with me as much as I think it sure. did for you. So, That's so fair. yes, I acknowledge that everything you're saying is accurate. Um, it was fun episode, but I, I think I liked the ones last week better. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I did too. I just, I enjoyed how deeply committed they were to um, Emery and Jessica's feud. And that just carried a lot of the episode for me. Yeah. Um, but why don't we move on to uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? And Nathaniel and I are just friends. And, I mean, Kate, I I legitimately was, like, pumped for uh, This Is My Moment reprise coming through. And, like, Heather really coming into her own. And then, eight months later, and I just went, what? <laughs> and, yeah, no, just, like, head explode sort of moment. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, this is good. And it was. It was very good. And yeah. so how did you feel about this? Because, like, when I saw eight months later come up, I was just like, oh, oh, we are in it to win it was basically, yeah. like, my response to this. How did you feel about it? Well, I just love that. Like, I watched this this pretty much, like, right after we finished recording last week. And I knew we were going to put the episode of the podcast out after people had seen this. Mm-hmm. And it, last week on the podcast, we were talking about, you know, I don't know. It's strange that they haven't set up the end of the, the season yeah. 
yeah that much and maybe they'll do something next you know with the next episode and it'll become suddenly very clear what they've been doing this whole time and why are they doing this stuff you know with nathaniel it doesn't I don't really it feels very repetitious without much point and like and but maybe you know maybe they're gonna do something and then it'll all make sense and then they did that time jump and it all made sense right um, <laughs> and 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 because and we all started this this last week on the episode do you think that they're gonna do a time jump basically because we're talking about needing to show the day-to-day of recovery mm-hmm. and when is it repetitious because you you know, when does it become too repetitive? But you also don't want to have false um, representation, representation, yeah, of, of what that process is like for someone dealing with borderline personality. And um, and so, and the way that they did that was to jump forward in time and say, "Yeah, she's been doing the work." You know, she's been to a certain to degree. Her. She's been doing the work. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, she's still. She's still human. She's still, she's still, you know, maybe not listening as as much as she should, but she's been going to therapy regularly. She's been, yeah. you know, going to her group and all that good stuff. Uh, wait, no, did she finish with the group therapy? Uh, they don't, I don't remember if they specify if she's done with like the group therapy because it's possible. Because now she's, she's back to she, Dr. Copian. She's back to Dr. Copian, but it's possible that she may be still doing like group therapy. Like, I mean, like. Yeah. I mean, I, I started therapy, like, in December, and so, like, you can still see someone and then, like, do group therapy as sort of, like, a secondary option or, uh-huh. like, a complementary option. So it's possible she's still doing group therapy. Um, but she's definitely seeing, seeing Dr. Copian, though, because Copian gets that fantastic fucking song. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, man. Yeah, maybe this time this, or whatever. This session is going to be different, and it's yeah. so good. It's so good. I was just like, oh, you haven't had a song since season one. And this is such a better song. It's A, such a better song, and B, it's just a good song on its own, but this yeah. was very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but the the time jump specifically i thought was yeah. really smart lets them completely change some stuff up uh ma- maintain other parts of it and just fast forward through parts we don't care about and want to see i yeah. don't want to see eight months of why joe wallowing i don't want to see eight months of heather going from like excited about dude grew it here to this is a terrible decision should not have been a surrogate yeah, what did i do i, I did want to see eight months of valencia going Maybe I like women. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> I love that reveal yeah. with them. And, and like, and it, you know, so we don't know whether, you know, how she identifies, if she identifies as right. bi or as queer or as lesbian or as who knows what. But yeah. the idea that maybe she's been gay and she just, part of why she didn't have any close relationships with women before mm-hmm. Rebecca was because she was, you know, had internalized homophobia and she had all these different fears and and her relationship and friendship with rebecca finally let her tap into and like accept parts of herself that then when this this woman comes along she's in this relationship with like it made so much sense yes with everything that we had seen so far for a character who had been assumed to be just straightforwardly uh heterosexual to that point from everything that was on screen. So it, it, it didn't feel like a rewrite or a retcon or out nope. of nowhere. It, it made complete sense. I loved it. Yeah, I did too, because I'm just, I'm watching like their initial meeting and I, and we should really like, I, I really want to like give a shout out to, um, uh, Renee Goob who directs, no, wrote this episode, who directed this episode. Who, Aaron, he's am, father bra, right? Yes, he is. 
he wrote this episode um but Aaron um Elric uh directed it and those um those sort of like very uh uh tracking sort of west wing shots around home home base home plate mm-hmm. home plate home base home base um home base or- i think yeah, home base. The bar. The bar. <laughs> the bar are like very good and like very solidly executed vignettes. But like when we get to the Valencia and her now partner, it's just like you're feeling like the instant crackle of that really happening very quickly. And I just went, oh, this is very exciting. I'm very here for this. And then they're just like eight months later and they're just like all in love. And I'm just like, oh, this is very good. But like all that entire sequence of like, here's everyone now. And here's everyone eight months later and what the sort of they're into is really great because we're getting to see everyone change. And then the button is, is that no, Rebecca and Nathaniel have not changed at all. <laughs> and yeah. it's just all really well executed and it's really smart and but with such an economy of narrative um, that I just I really appreciated what this episode did. Yeah. Well, and, and then cutting to eight months later with them uh-huh. lets us skip past eight months of being frustrated with her lying to herself. Her, yeah. You know, for lying to herself. But it also sets up, you know, like she says to Dr. Okopi, and this is the most stable and mature relationship she's ever had. And it's right. one based on deceit and lies, yeah. but it's one also completely uh, just, just between the two of them. It's very respectful. Yeah. And even respecting the lies that they know that they're telling each other. Or, like, Nathaniel's just like, okay, that's what you want. We're going to keep yeah. pretending this is a, just a one and done. And, like, um, and, and it, so it's very not respectful of his girlfriend, who doesn't yeah. know about it. But um, but I think that that lets us have, like, a true understanding. Like, as, as, a, as a viewership, as a fan base, we can respect Nathaniel more because we already knew he was the kind of guy who would cheat. That's not surprising. But yeah. the fact that he has been, in his in their own messed up way, loyal to Rebecca for eight months, like, they have been in a stable relationship for eight months, is says a lot about their relationship. And yeah. it, it reaffirms yeah. what we've been watching over the past however many you know weeks for 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 them, and mm-hmm. really does a lot for that character for us to trust and respect that character and his connection to Rebecca. Right, and I mean he's never like judgmental about like her needs or how she approaches things with this Mm -hmm. and it's very sort of driven in from a place of understanding and it's very much like well if you two would just like work this particular issue out particularly like um just like him being like well a we really shouldn't be doing this because you don't think this is a good thing to be doing Mm -hmm. it it only goes so far (laughs) um um, but his like sort of acceptance of their long like we can't go to the st- supply room anymore, which is just just a delightful conversation with the peanut gallery, um, right it's, there. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good, and they're both very good in that scene. That is such terrific acting. They play it yeah. so straight. Yeah. It, but leave the space for the comedy. Yeah. Like just right. It's so easy to get that wrong or to yeah. tip it too far one way or the other. But like, it's so earnest and mm-hmm. also hilarious. Like, we're gonna talk about that a bit when we get to one day at a time as well. But 
yeah, that scene is terrific. And then to have them, so at least some of them, the the peanut gallery is so completely oblivious still at the end. Uh, delightful. Well, they have their own issues with Paula to deal with. So, I mean, issues yeah. between their two bosses, secondary to the fact that Paula is just absolutely horrible to them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed Sunil coming in as, as a part of the team. And mm-hmm. the, yeah, the stuff we get with Rebecca and Paula about like, Paula, you're obviously the office bitch. I mean, like you, 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 you have a cup that says it. I mean, it was ironic. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, and it ties in very distinctly with what we've been seeing from her all season. Like yes. even just the stuff with Tim and his relationship with his wife. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this is not a surprise. Uh, so, yeah. so it feels like a organic development of the character rather than a flipped switch eight months later um yeah okay so anything else you want to talk about in this episode before we get to the reprise no tell me about the face your fears reprise kate i love it so much (laughs) it's so good because it comes at least for me it comes out of nowhere and i tweeted this out it's two years yeah three months and a week later Complete like the ridiculous comedy song from from early season one. Completely different character yeah. singing it. That was the other thing I was going to point out. Is just like it's it was Paula's song originally. Yeah, and then and it's but it's this lesson that that is very silly, very ridiculous, but now has become completely internalized by Rebecca, who was there to hear the song. Yeah, in season one, so it makes sense that it's not just a thematic parallel, but it also is her singing it to herself she doesn't need paula to sing this to her she can sing it to herself but she still can't act on it even if she knows that this is what she should do she still can't do it yet it was so affecting it was Mm -hmm. gorgeous it was very well acted and the the this is why i love musical theater moments like this you get in musical theater in a way you don't get in most forms of storytelling Unless someone specifically quotes something or an actor like mimics emotion or something like that, that that comes from a different character that they've picked up over, over all these years later, you don't get this kind of a moment. We don't usually see see characters quote themselves. Yeah. And so this is the power of the reprise. And this is a big part of, you know, what makes musical theater great and what what it can do that other genres can't do so i thought it like i was just like tears like when when as soon as the 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 music starts off and you realize what it's gonna be it, it was just oh man just just i i, I tweeted out hard eyes emoji crying emoji both of those at the same time i loved it Hey, I really liked it as well, and I'll agree with everything that you said um, in this. But I also want to, like, draw the connection between how really smart it is that they end with this particular reprise, and they end with this very much a desire to move forward, and this, I'm going to face my fears, and all of this stuff, that it bookends this session is going to be different. Yeah. And the, that whole idea of like, I'm going to be different. I'm going to make this change. 
and based on like Akopian's like sheer optimism of like I've got my statement jewelry, I've got my therapy shawl, I'm in it. I'm going to do this. And it's like super mm-hmm. optimistic. And Rebecca's whole thing of like, now I'm going to be different is I'm going to face this fear. And, but it's so quiet and it's so muted because it's like, she's just super deathly afraid of what's going to happen here. And it's, it's a really nice juxtaposition. And more importantly, it's a really good bookend because there's no song in the middle. And aside from that very brief sort of like melodic reprise of this is my moment um mm-hmm. to lead us into the eight month transition um but it's just it's really nice to have that because i was like i was just like oh this is just gonna be a one this is just gonna be a one song episode and i i always get sort of like a little a little miffed when i only get one song an episode <laughs> um <laughs> but then it's just like oh that was really nicely executed guys i'm very happy about this so no everything you said plus that like little parallel that they drew between Acopian and Rebecca by doing this as a bookend. I just it was really good. It was very, very good. Yeah. Well there there's there's some other shout outs in the scoring too. Yeah. Yeah. There's um we should definitely not have sex right now. Yeah. No, <laughs> in true. there and there there's a couple other ones uh in there. The 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 scene with um Rebecca and Nathaniel underneath it has some some stuff going on too. But but no you're right having just those two songs. Um, right at the beginning and right at the end, very potent and affecting. And so we are going to lead out of this segment and into our next one with the Face Your Fears Reprise. So, and I challenge those of you who watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend to not get sniffly because it's so darn good. Um, any final thoughts, Noel, or if not, uh, what wins your week in reality and comedy? Uh, well, I do want to give a quick shout out to The Rundown. Um, they did a uh, sketch um, about a fictional curler played by Robin Thede, um named Gail Jones that is all about, uh, A, the whiteness of curling, but uh, B, also like the Olympics and C, uh, black bodies and black athletes and protesting. Um, because the entire thing hinges on the fact that she kneels during curling, which is kind of how curling works. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the entire thing spirals from there to like poke fun at like sports discourse. And it's, it's a very good sequence. Um, I tweeted it out. You can find the entire thing on YouTube. Um, they separate it out as a separate thing. It's very good, but, um, it's very clear that Nathaniel and I are just friends is like the best, um, thing of our week in reality and comedy. And I will broker no dissent on this. It's the best thing in the week. <laughs> TV, yeah, yeah I think really, so. really good. Yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's very true. I think that's very true. Yeah. So, so now let's let's go listen to Face Your Fears. We'll be right back after this, listeners. Face my 
This week in genre and drama, I'm going to talk a bit about my catch-up with the uh, American Crime Story Season 2, The Assassination of Gianni Versace. Uh, this week's the episode was House by the Lake. Then we'll move on to catching up with Star Trek Discovery, The War Without, The War Within, um, catching up with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Past Life, Supergirl, Both Sides Now, The Flash, True Colors, and Arrow, The Devil's Greatest Trick. So Which first, is sort of a catch-up as well, because we have I don't... Oh yeah, those are all catch-ups. We haven't talked yeah. about well, any of we've them. we've talked about Supergirl and Flash, like, off and on, but I feel like we haven't talked about Arrow in weeks for good reason. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll be talking about Black Lightning next week. Uh, they're airing, yeah. like, one more episode before they go on, like, a mini hiatus, so next week we'll have some Legends of tomorrow, and we'll have some oh, Black God. Lightning. Folks, next week's Legends, just to let you know, is very good. So it's tune in. Good. Yeah, tune in for sure. It's very good. <laughs> okay. Um, first up, Assassination of Gianni Versace. Um, so this is episode four. I... I have I enjoyed is the wrong word because I have not enjoyed these episodes because they are uh, really intense and disturbing, um, and the 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 performances are really good. I would love to be spending more time with uh, Gianni Versace and with uh, Donatella. Uh, particularly, those two performances are terrific. Darren Chris is has been really really good, very chilling. But these episodes, episode two, three, and four, have really been about him, about that character. Uh, Andrew, don't remember. Let's start with C. The murderer, the serial killer who kills Versace in the first episode, and so I don't, I'm not <laughs> interested in American Crime Story. The guy who killed Versace. I, I'm interested in the assassination of Versace. I would like to be spending more time with those characters rather than examining the mind of a serial killer sociopath. Um, and there's there's a lot more to it than that. And the show is examining homophobia and like the the that character's self hate and and all these different things that are tie, you know bound together um, in this time period and in these different figures that the show is exploring. But it's really disturbing and it's really dark. And uh, for me, that's overpowering. Some of the the other messaging and themes that the show is dealing with um not that they aren't doing it well but just that uh it's really it's it's kind of hard to watch and i didn't sign up for a show about a serial killer so Ooh. yeah you were really pumped about episode one and yeah. now not so much yeah so so you know we'll see if, if if this continues or if they pivot back to some of these other characters um again the performances are all really good but Andrew Cunanan is not why I tuned in. But now I absolutely see why everybody was was singing the praises of Darren Chris because he is absolutely chilling in this role, um, and really potent. But yeah, it's it's especially because I watched these all back to back. I caught up with these while I was making a birthday cake. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that may be part of it as well. So Saddest just like cake ever. one episode at a time and then like l- releasing the energy of that out over the course of another week before I watch the next episode might make a very big difference in how I view these episodes. But yeah, so I've been, I've been having a little trouble with it. Um, and so I'm not as excited about the rest, but I will, because of the quality of the show and, and the, you know, the way, how well it's put together and the performances and these different elements, I will still keep watching, but uh, I, I certainly would not be like, you guys got to go watch, you know, 
it's really it's really disturbing. So on that note, let's move on to less disturbing but very frustrating. Star Trek Discovery, The War Without, The War Within. So let's start with the bullshit here. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're well. Which bullshit do you want to start? No, <laughs> I want to start with the little lecture that Ash gives Michael that we're supposed to think based on how this scene is structured that he's right that like he gives her this whole speech about how she's rejecting him because she's angry that she fell in love with a a Klingon after Klingons killed her family it's like you tried to kill this woman yeah no you did kill your friend like like are you are you kidding me that it's so abusive. It's so controlling yeah. and manipulative and abusive. And so for the, for the show to treat that as if that moment as if he is right in you know or at least more right than she wants him to be is yeah. gross and just underscores how little I care about Ash, which is like I was zero and now it's negative. I actively dislike him and I think he's a bad character. <laughs> um and it's just, it was, I just, I literally, while I was watching it, just went into our notes so that I could specifically tell, all oh, this is some bullshit. <laughs> I'm glad that, that, that you agree. <laughs> I, I think from our, our conversations earlier, I think you agree. But what, what are your thoughts on this? No, I absolutely agree. Cause like you, you had that note in there before I like got to watch the episode. Um, cause I normally watch this like on first thing on Mondays after I'm done with work. And I ended up not watching it until, like, Tuesday, I think, um, just because I decided to watch other things. Um, but so I, I was primed for that scene, but I didn't know what the scene was going to be. And then we get into it, and I'm just like, oh, this is bullshit. And it's also, like, doubly bullshit because the show is very much like, well, everyone else on the ship is cool with him. Why aren't you? And it's just like, um, because he killed the, he killed the doctor. And the doctor by the BT dubs doesn't seem to be coming back. Nope. And, and B, um, it's, it's, he tried to kill her. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not willing to roll with this at all. And it, it's just like, no, she's, Michael's not upset that she fell in love with someone or that she fell in love with a Klingon. I don't think that's really what this is. It's very much you tried to kill her mm-hmm. <laughs> and you also killed someone else. I don't really care that everyone else is like cool with this. Um, I'm pretty sure that we're, we're not cool with this, everyone. Um, so yeah, it's just really weird that the show wants us to, the show again, based on like, um, Latif's performance based on the shooting of the scene, based on the writing, um, that they very much want us to sort of be seeing this as some sort of deep insight into Michael's scarred psyche of like the past trauma of her parents' death coming back and like ruining everything. And it's just like, no, that's, that is not what's happening here. Show this is not even what you've remotely established happening here. Um, so this is very weird that you want us to buy into this. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, no, it doesn't help that I never really cared about their relationship or right. plot the, their chemistry to start with that doesn't help yeah this but, yeah that's um that's also like a large issue for both of us yeah but the show just like expecting that she should do all this emotional labor while in a traumatized state towards yeah. him like like that it, she's expected to help heal the broken guy who 
like betrayed her, didn't trust her enough to talk to her, tried to kill her, did kill her friend or her colleague, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like, that's absurd. And like, and, and the scene that we have, like, and it's not the only scene like this, because they give Tyler a scene with uh Anthony Rapp, whose character name I don't remember. Um Stamets. Stamets, thank you. With, with Stamets. And again, they treat it like he is like we should be rooting for Tyler there. I'm like, Stamets didn't just punch you in the face. And that is amazing. No, Stamets is correct. Yes, no, Stamets' restrained response is, like, restrained. It's just like, you killed the love of my life, who I can only talk to now if I'm almost lost in this Spore universe. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just, like, the the notion of, like, you don't get to go up to this guy and pour your heart out about how sorry you are. Like, you haven't earned that privilege. Like, the 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 the... the the notion that he has that he'll just go up and I'll just explain how sorry I am and then they'll forgive. Like, it's so privileged to think that he gets to, to do that. You me for my emotional honesty. It is exactly <laughs> that. It is straight up that, but without, like, the, the self-awareness. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, listeners, if you don't know, that's from Steven Universe and you, why aren't you watching Steven Universe? Um, but, but yeah, th- this whole, con- like, conception of Tyler and, like, the writing for him and all, like, it's been completely misjudged. And, yeah. like, that's how we knew that, at least that's how I knew that we were getting back to our universe because we spent all that time with the Klingon stuff so we were going to have to get back to our universe the yeah. original universe so that then that could all have its fallout but yeah that oh man wow yeah, and, and asking all like you were saying asking her to do this emotional labor and it's also like dude she just bought her alt universe like mentor mother figure back yeah there's a lot of stuff happening for her right now. You are not very high on the priority list. <laughs> and shouldn't be. Like right. wow. Yeah. Um the how how dark was it having them eat Saru? Oh. Like other Saru? Like she's yeah. like, is this a good thing? I'm gonna pick Saru, because then like maybe that'll like like that's my servant now. Yeah. It's like, no, that's your lunch. Ooh, gross. Um so what do you think of them bringing – and again, it, like we talked about, it's like, oh, okay, now we see why Michelle Yeoh signed up for this because right. now she gets to be a badass. She's the, the, the evil version and she's back on the show. Right, as as herself because, yeah. God, the Federation is just terrible. Like, Clearly. It's just the worst. Yeah, well, uh, admirals do have a history of being very stupid. This is this is very true. Like, admirals are just terrible in general on Star Trek for some reason. Mm. I don't know what the reading process is, but I'm always very glad that Picard was just like, eh, maybe not. And I'm just gonna going to stay a captain. <laughs> I'm going to stay a captain because clearly something happens in the punch bowl, in the replicator, that you all just become assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What what did you think about the the way that they, you know, like built to the coup with with uh, you know, original re- recipe Jason Isaac Jason Isaacs or art. <laughs> yeah, versus uh, you know, and 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 then everything with Michael and we got we had uh, Tori back whose name I still remember but she was Tori on Battlestar yeah. and uh and then, you know, all of this coming to your head. Did you like the conclusion of the Mirror Universe arc? 
Um, I thought it was fine. Um, I, I, I was, I felt vindicated in the fact that they were just like, they were actually leaning into what I thought they were going to lean into a little bit with, with his, this like, this sort of moral compromise ends justify the means sort of approach. And like, what does this, what does this do to Michael Burnham? And the answer is not a lot. It feels like, I don't know yet what like the general ethics of this is, but all of it keeps circling around to this is not how we behave. And it's just like, but Michael, this is exactly how we behave. <laughs> this has been like the premise of the show. This is how we behave. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of struggling with whether or not like she saw like the terror of the mirror universe and went, Oh no, I've been wrong this entire time. And maybe I shouldn't have staged a mutiny in episode two. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, it was fine it was very actiony which i appreciated and i like how jason isaacs just kind of went oh oh so i'm evil now well my accent's going to get ridiculous by 10 and it's just like it goes like from it goes like really ridiculous southern um and it's really it's i don't understand why they just went how do we make sure that we know he's more evil his accent's just going to get really ridiculous um, but he feel, I feel like he feels really liberated by this. So his performance is like much looser now. And I really liked that. But yeah, the actual like conclusion to it, um, is just sort of ish for me. Um, but it, it was good. It was solid action. And like, I mean, I will take any excuse to watch Michelle Yeoh stab some bitches. <laughs> um, and so yeah, it was fine. Um, how did you feel about it? Um, because like you were a few episodes behind, so I was just like, I don't want to talk about this until you've watched it. Yeah. So how are you feeling about like the conclusion of this mirror universe um, arc that we were in? Well, it was pretty clear that Isaacs knew what was going on. Yes, you know, like the, from the get go. From the get go with his character. So watching him then pivot, I was hoping they were going to do something a little more interesting than like, no, he's been this evil the whole time, and he just has been hiding it you know, or tempering his instincts, you know, in his speech. Uh, I thought that they kind of went for the least interesting version of that character once he was exposed. Yes, um, they did. And that that was a little disappointing. I, I mean, it was fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. Isaacs can do yeah. that, that kind of character in his sleep. And yes. he seemed very engaged and to be having a good time with it. Uh, the stuff with Burnham, I, I liked... I liked the notion of there being a genuine connection for him with her and with this version of her uh that was more interesting but i them taking it to just a straightforward uh sexual power based maybe some romantic but probably not place was a little again uninteresting uh one-dimensional but i did like this uh I mean, I did buy into this notion that, no, he respects the shit out of her and yeah. uh, would love to be with her, but just have her on his team if if he feels like she's reliable enough. Like, not even that he can trust her, but, like, she's reliable enough that, that, she, that she won't just, like, stab him in the back because he can see all the things that she is and she could be. Um, I was waiting for them to have some discussion about right. the reason that she is s- such a remarkable person is who she is which means her vulcan upbringing as well and so like which goes completely against all the the speciesism i guess xenophobia xenophobia yeah of of that of the terran empire so 
yeah, I don't feel like you can really have both of those at the same time without acknowledging that contrast and that that uh, you know that issue. But um, we'll see if if they bring it back. Like, I mean, he got swallowed in by like the the he got burned up, but also maybe he got converted into energy in the spore drive. Like they could bring him back. So we'll see if that happens, but certainly I think they've set up an interesting dynamic for the end here. The idea that the end of the season really just is a much bigger version of the Vulcan. Hello from the pilot is an interesting message. Mm -hmm. You were right for mutinying, and so we should have done that. Now we're going to do a large-scale version of it at the end of the season. There's an element of symmetry to that, but it also, again, feels very disconnected from the philosophy and message messaging of Star Trek. So maybe they're going to pivot that in the end, and that's how we're going to lead towards where we know they're headed um, Mm -hmm. 10 years in the future when they'll get to Kirk. But um, it's interesting. It's, you know, and I'm all here for Michelle Yeoh. You know, like we were saying, let's just have the Michelle Yeoh show, you know, with Sneaker Martin Green. We're getting that now. It's a very different Michelle Yeoh, but I'll, you know, I'm here for it. Uh, So I'll I'll Michelle Yeoh playing arch villain? Yes. Yeah. Um, So she's clearly having a lot of fun as well. Oh, definitely. She never gets to play these characters. No, she doesn't. Like, not really. And so, yeah, she's really embracing the whole. Wait, I get to be the evil badass? I don't mm-hmm. have to fight the evil badass? Yeah. This is great. <laughs> I'm also a superhero, by the way, for, for Captain Saru, and I really hope we're leading right? to a season two with Captain Saru. I am too, and like Doug Jones is like doing some just fantastic work on this show. And um Saru's just such a really lovely character. Um that yeah, I, I definitely want like a Captain Saru season and to see what that looks like. And one of the things that like I and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure I'm wrong, but like I just I don't remember a lot of like non-human no. Starfleet captains. There's very, very few that we've right, ever which, seen. Which seems kinda weird to me. It's very specious, and, yes. And so I I'd I'd really I Provided I come back, and that's a kind of a big provided I come back, um, just because of the philosophy of this series, um, at least in its first season, I I would enjoy more watching a Captain Saru season, especially where he can be openly the captain, yeah, as opposed to sort of having to hide behind Captain Killy, uh, <laughs> who admittedly is a great deal of fun, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens in the last handful here. We probably, uh, there, I guess, I guess next week is the finale. Yeah, next week is the finale. So we'll see what happens in the finale. Uh, I'm anticipating a big cliffhanger, but we'll see. Um, and then, yeah, I guess I'm planning to tune in for season two right now, but we'll see. Yeah, more on that um, when we get to it. Yeah. yeah um let's talk about Agents of Shield. Now they are going on hiatus until after the Olympics, but they have wrapped up their first chunk pod is yeah. what they call these it's a terrible it just sounds weird yeah but yeah pod <laughs> i think for the most part it was successful and they had that this of course had shield jumped into the future in space um to see the effects of what theoretically they will cause to happen by trying to avert it um in the rest of the season uh how did how did you feel like they they did with this um, jump to the future and did it sustain for the full 10? I don't know that it's sustained for the full 10. Um, 
I, I feel like they sort of like tread water a little bit, um, which was a little frustrating uh, since some of the stuff was. I, I really liked like the beginning of it, which was like very like sort of like alien driven, alien in like the capital A nineteen seventies alien film um driven of like abandoned kind of space station scary monsters and then it was like oh no this thing's actually super populated and they're kree and i just went oh that's that's not as super interesting as i've i've never been particularly compelled by the kree um but um it 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 got better ish like it 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 had a good sort of like overall arc, even if sometimes I was just like, can we get on with this a little bit? And I think like having, um, excuse me, having Fitz, um, come through, come to the future basically, um, with Enoch and especially just that entire rewind episode, which was episode five, which is, has also has Hunter. Oh my God. This show just needs Hunter all the time. Um, was, it was good. And once he gets there, I think, things kind of get rolling but then it's sort of a slow crawl to the end of this little section of like no we got to get the ship working no we have to get off the complex no we have to like do all these little fiddly sort of things we have to get enough rocks to do the monolith and it feels like a lot of sort of like sci-fi fetch quests almost um that sort of like slow down a lot of the narrative momentum and then there's also just like lots of discussions uh with lots of scenes of like cassius sort of like monologuing to a dead body and being like never finding like a new particular level of like real self-realization or like being willing to a shift in his behavior in some way that makes us realize that he is dangerous as opposed to no he's just always sort of been like this and his whole thing is like, I'm just going to take this berserker serum now. And she's like, Oh, well that's not interesting. And so I, I, I liked it overall, but I'm, I, I, by the, by the end of this, I was very much ready for them to leave basically and uh, come back, uh, hopefully back in and see how they deal with being basically on the run again. Um, uh, so how did you feel about it? Because I've monologued and I don't think I made a huge <laughs> deal of sense here. But how no, did you feel about this? No, you did. Um, yeah, I, I think that yeah, I, I enjoyed it, especially the way that I watched it, which was I watched a bunch of the episodes and then I got away from it and then I watched several more. And then I, like, oh, you that's know, probably like, a good way to watch this. Doing it week to week was sort of a chore. Yeah, because then you can kind of just get into the vibe of it. Um, and I thought that that worked pretty well, but I don't disagree about Cassius. Certainly at the end, like, I feel like you have to be able to do something more interesting with your aliens than just doing ancient Rome. Yeah. Right? Like, you have nothing else to, to like, if I wanted to watch this thing, which the actor's doing a good j- version of this thing. Yes, he is. But it's not nearly as good as Spartacus. I'll go watch Spartacus again. <laughs> you all know I love Spartacus because it's a brilliant, probably the most single most underrated show of the past 10 years. Uh, like, we've seen this story. So take, they're aliens. Come up with something new or a new take on it. Don't just do the same thing, but with blue face, blue skin, you know? Um, so, so I think having the, the, the world was fun. Jumping to the future was a great, like comic book conceit. Loved that they mm-hmm. did it and committed to it. Um, some of the, the drama worked well. The, the reveal with yo-yo, worked it was very effective very effective yeah 
that worked great. Um, I'm not really looking forward to to watching them almost create this future until like one change at the end is going to prevent it or did it cliffhanger. Like, yeah. I'm not really looking forward to that portion of it, but yeah, I'm not either. You know, I think compared to some of their other pods, I think this was much more successful. I think it's definitely a little more successful than sort of like their ghostwriter pod from the previous season, uh, from season four, which was yeah. just a weird sort of mess. It was um, the thing that got me to stop watching. Right, exactly. But then they like found a lot of steam with the life model decoy pod, but that also sort of had a, there's a lot of like fiddly bits that needed to be done. So when they got to the um, agents of Hydra pod, they, they were just able to run whole hog and it was very entertaining. And that was sort of like where this particular like future outer space Cree um, pod sort of suffered is that they'd get some momentum, but then they'd have to stop for like narrative reasons of, well, we need to get these colors off. Well, we need to save Daisy. Well, we need to do this. Um, or we need to get the ship started and this kind of a thing just like prevents them from having like consistent momentum, which when you're doing the whole point of these is to have that really so that we don't have to drag it out. And I, I do feel like this was probably an eight episode pod that then because of how the show got aired this season, they had to stretch it to 10. Um, and I don't think that they could have that necessarily supported the 10. Um, but, oh, if only Disney hadn't been forced to do the Inhumans, Mm -hmm. then they could have done three pods instead of two, which is what they're doing this season. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Um, yeah, 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 um, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm sort of, like, circling as well, so I'll stop. Yeah, (laughs) fair enough. Um, let's move on to the CW shows. Yeah. we, we, do you think we'll check back in with S.H.I.E.L.D. when it comes back or kind of wait till the end of the next pod? Um, well, they're only going to do like the end of the next pod is the end of the season. Yeah. Um, so we may want to check in like a little like in maybe in the middle, I guess. See how they're doing. Okay. See how they're doing. Um, Fair enough. I think that might be the best way to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we'll plan on then. Um, let's move over to the CW and talk Supergirl both sides now. And Supergirl is going on hiatus and being replaced in this time slot with Legends of Tomorrow. So it'll we'll be, you know. Switching over to that one in our Week in TV next week. Uh, how did have these last few episodes work for you? And did you like their handling and inclusion of purity this week? Um, and like how they're developing rain? Is is the season coming together? Uh, I think it's coming together okay. It's sort of coming together a little more slowly than I would like. But we're halfway through the season, so it's sort of time for them to like pick up the pace, basically. Um, which I feel like that they're going to do now that like Lena has been looped into what's happening with, um, Sam and, or, well, has an idea that something's happening to Sam and is now like present for it and is ready to like move. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see that start playing out. Um, even though it's also sort of. It also goes back to the fact of like, well, Lena, if you can figure this out, surely you can figure out (laughs) um, that Kara and Supergirl are the same person. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they've been really hitting a few beats this season to especially for good. Yeah, Yeah, that that she can't know or she's an idiot. 
Like, like, yeah. like if she did know, then she wouldn't say things that she has been saying. So that's frustrating. Because before they were playing it more coy, like it could yeah. be a cat grad situation where she's just pretending she doesn't know, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's just yeah. coming off like she legitimately doesn't know. That's just yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, so, and then they're also setting up this whole thing about um, uh, Irma uh, slash Saturn girl having different agenda for what then they told Monel, which I'm sure it's going to be great news for Monel. Yeah. Um, he's going to love that. And everyone who hates Monel is going to love it too. Cause it'll probably mean he's going to stick around um, past this. <laughs> um, so I, I feel like they're sort of like, they're gearing up and I'm ready for them to gear up and really sort of lean in a bit more um, to this. Um, and I think having like purity out and like exploring and ready to be like trained. I th- I'm really sort of excited about. Um, I'm not excited that they just went, oh, well, we need to figure out a way to have a power for her. What if we recycle the Black Siren special effect? And yeah. And she's like, we'll do that because we've already got that in stock. And it's just like, oh, okay. Well, that's not super interesting, everyone. But I really like the performer a lot. Um, I think that she's doing a really nice job of differentiating between. Um, uh, Julia and Purity. I think she does a really nice job with that. And I think those terrible contact lenses that are probably really difficult to see out of mm-hmm. um, do a nice job of like selling that, but it's like a more like physicality sort of transformation that that actor is making. And I really appreciate that. Um, but I'm basically, I'm sort of like sitting on my hands and waiting and to see what they're going to do. And like one other thing like we should mention is that like Supergirl had like a little production shutdown. Um, which may also explain sort of even why Legends of Tomorrow was kind of held the way it was also to make space for like Black Lightning as well. But it sort of fills a potential like production gap that they had for a little while. I'm not sure how long that production shutdown was, but they had a little bit of one that they had to like a lot for, um, which is, it happens. So Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know about that. So that'll be yeah. Petowitz yeah. mentioned it like really quietly um, during like TCAs. I want to say or like around then. Hmm. Um, and I was just like, I don't remember hearing about them needing a shutdown because it wasn't Kreisberg related. Because otherwise, then the Flash would have needed one. And these shows yeah. are really well oiled. Generally, that losing losing him wouldn't have been an issue really because they have enough like built in folks. Really, every all these shows are co ran basically between two people. Mm-hmm. Um, that it really wouldn't have been an issue. So I'm assuming it was something else. Yeah. Um, that happened or they just sort of needed like time to recover after yeah. um, like the rain or like after the uh, crossover and they built in their off period a little later. It's yeah. a possibility. I don't quite know. Uh, and I couldn't find out anything either because I actually went looking and couldn't find anything. But yeah. And we did we just we didn't really discuss Fort Ross either, did we? No, no. Yeah. Well, we, a little bit, but I mean, I just a little was bit. like, guys, I thought you all said this was really good. This is very boring. Right. Yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. it was just kind of weird. How are you feeling about like uh, for good and like both sides now? Um, I thought it was uh, basically sort of in keeping with much of the show. All the stuff with the ladies, thumbs up. All the stuff with the dudes, thumbs down. All the stuff with Space <laughs> Dad, thumbs up. 
So, <laughs> like, the Monel stuff, I think four Monel stuff was was good. And again, Chris Wood, it's not his fault what they're giving him. Um, no. I always enjoy David Harewood, so, you know, Space Dad, yay. But um, it's just, of the things it could be, like, of the, the storylines they could be doing, of the characters they could be spending time on and developing, I, like... I would much rather be spending time with Lynn, uh, with Wynn and his alien girlfriend, you know, like there's, there's more <laughs> and other things that they could be doing. Like, wh- like instead of just like seeing this, this Martian, like moonshine that Carl Lumbly is making in his apartment or whatever, uh, I would rather be spending time with that character than doing the stuff they've been doing with to, in order to bring Monel back with Saturn girl and brainy, like, Sure, fine, but like, there's only so much time, and I would rather be spending it with different characters. But all the stuff with, yeah, yeah um, that makes sense. Yeah, the stuff with, um, Kara and Maggie. Sorry, uh, Alex, but pertaining to Maggie, I thought his all was all pretty well handled. The stuff with, uh, Ruby and Sam and Lena was all good and interesting, and um, they're you know laying the groundwork for what's likely to come later in the season. And I really don't care about anything with James. They've managed to make me disconnect from that character almost completely. And fortunately there wasn't too much of him. And that's about all I got. Yeah. And I think that's fair. It's just like, there's not a like super amount of stuff to do there. And they're just, the only other thing I'll say is that they're really wasting Adrian Pastor in what could have really been a really delightful, like scenery chewing character. And it's just like, eh, he's going to show up. He's going to be, do the same thing over and over again. And it's just like, but he's really good at this kind of a sleazebag character and we're not giving him enough to do. He's just, he's really good. I think yeah, he's actually he a really, really good actor. Um, yeah. Because he can do the sleep stuff in his sleep, but he also can be really effective, like center and lead the way that he did yeah. when they when they decided to make him the sort of the heart of parts of heroes. He was yep. always really good. Yeah. Um, yep. And so, like, there's a lot that they could do with that actor, with it, with that character, but also with that actor if they wanted to. So it's not like they don't have other things that they could be doing. Um, but I will also co-sign, I meant, I meant to and forgot, but I will co-sign everything you said about purity. That, that performance from that actor is terrific. That character would not be anywhere near as good if they didn't have yep. that good of an actor. It's very similar to how, you know, how, how well Odette Annabelle is doing with Rain. Yes. And, yeah. They're both you know, like, really killing it. Yeah. So, so if they, if they didn't, I, I, I think I actually like the performer for purity even more. But, mm-hmm. um, if, if, if they didn't have such high caliber performers, then there would be a lot less here. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Let's move on to the flash, true colors. So Barry's out of jail now because oh. it was a good way to get out of it, I suppose. it goes back to like my larger issues with the central city justice (laughs) yeah and also that cecile is clearly a terrible attorney yeah well there's that (laughs) um but yeah no it's a good way to get out of it but then i have questions about how long dibney needs to maintain being (laughs) devoe yeah um so yeah no it's a very comic book way to get out of it um, but I'm just like, I, I acknowledge the fact that since they got, uh, Big Sur slash 
Goldberg out of prison. <laughs> and um, then they've got uh, the warden um, dead and all like the metas in the cell block gone. Um, then there really wasn't anything else for them to do for him in prison. Um, apart, even though I'm sure Grant Gustin was just, but guys, I can grow out like my beard again. What if I just keep the beard? Can I keep the beard? Is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was is pro- uh... yeah. Yeah, not the best look, but better than his future hair. Definitely better than his future hair. Um, okay. His future hair is bad. It's <laughs> real bad. That was like some serious, like, unfortunate Alicia wigs. Bad. Um, so the 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 thing with DeVoe that I'm a little concerned about in this episode. Did, Which are we, thing? Because there's a lot of things to be concerned about with DeVoe. <laughs> yeah. Are we to believe that he has now sapped the superpowers of all these different metas? I, I That is a fair question. I think that's what we're supposed to believe. Or because he was definitely reading his wife's mind at the right. End. Well, he got he got that from when he get out. Um, yeah, when he get outed the guy. Yeah, but what I mean is like, so it's not like whoever he's embodying, I guess, whose body he's in. Yeah, in no, I, it's not just that ability that he has. No, it's not just that ability, and I think he is like targeting the bus powers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's way overpowered then. Yeah, no, he's massively overpowered then. And, um, yeah, which seems like a weird choice to make when they're just like, well, we're not going to do a speedster villain this week. And it was just like, but we're going to do a kitchen sink villain instead. And I just went, oh, no, you guys are sort of missing the point about power dynamics a little bit here. (laughs) (laughs) And what DeVoe's whole thing was of, like, thinking 80 steps ahead. That was interesting. And now it's just like, well, now he's got quantum luck. He's got control over technology. He can animate effigies and um, shrink things. Right. He can shrink things. So it's just like, okay. Well, they're just setting it up so blatantly that the only way he'll be able to beat him is by freeing the wife from the, the love drug and getting her to betray him. Right. That's what has to happen at this point. Yeah. I was enjoying that sort of tension between DeVoe and um, I can only say the mechanic because that's who that um, character is. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is her actual name? Marlies. They mm-hmm. never, I feel like they never say her name. No, um, they always just call her dear. Yeah. Um, so, right. Marlies. Um, that, um, like, I was really enjoying that tension that was, like, had started when they get out of that guy. Yeah. And is, like, continuing into this. And I was, I was, like, I was, like, enjoying that. And then, like, the vote drugs are. And it's just like, oh, okay. This is fun. You're just sort of eliminating things. But, yeah, no, they're, ve- they've been setting this up for a little while. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the shrink episode was fine. Uh, interesting enough. The, and there were some fun things with it, but. Mostly, they, they've been taking advantage of Barry being in jail to really stick with their baddie of the week format and the, the sillier, goofier approach of this season. And I think that's mostly worked. Uh, I yeah, do- I, 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 I do feel like that um, Honey, I Shrunk Team Flash just kind of goes a little over the edge mm-hmm. on being silly. Um, so I was sort of, it, it had moments, but I was also just kind of exhausted by the whole conceit by the end. So I also think they need to be more specific about what's going on with Killer Frost. Uh, yes. Because it really just feels like they push a button and now she, Caitlin is Killer Frost. Like, 
they need to let there be more of a choice there, I think. Yeah. But. Yeah, no, there does. Because, I mean, all they have to do is get her a little bit angry or a little bit anxious. And Killer Frost comes out. And I kind of go, Caitlin, if you're getting angry when they mention high school bullies, you have larger issues. <laughs> That's true. It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, anything else you want to mention for Flash, or is it time for Arrow? Uh, yeah, let's talk about Arrow a little bit, because I, I really do legitimately feel like we have not talked about Arrow a lot mm-hmm. um, since it came back from the finale, which saw old Team Arrow, new Team Arrow go their separate ways, and uh, this week, uh, Kane James's cabal completely collapsed um, and was revealed to be a overarching master plan from the one villain that we don't know anything about surprise yeah (laughs) spoiler alert it's not the character who's been recurring for years and years where it wouldn't make sense for it to be him and it's not the other character who's the actor's been recurring for years and years and they want to keep that character around for quite a while so that means it's gotta be kirk acevedo um but on the upside it's kirk acevedo (laughs) that is an excellent point yeah i don't care yeah, and that's the bad thing, though. <laughs> I like it was getting very repetitive. The stuff they were doing with yes. Kane James, but I still enjoy that performance. Or like, oh, I, he's so good in this episode so, too. He's so good that I, I really wish they had given him more to do and let him show his range. And yes. and that's just a much more interesting villain. I do think they've done a good job with the, the William stuff. That has actually really uh, been much more effective than it could have been and that then the show has been in previous seasons with similar threads i think that this the scene we got with felicity and william a few episodes ago was absolutely terrific where she talks about needing to believe that he will come back and that he will be okay um which apparently didn't get through his thick skull no (laughs) no but he's he's like a teen right he's almost a teen he's a teen or a tween yeah and so that makes sense to me. I'd like to know how he found them, though. I feel like I missed that thread just a little bit. Oh no, they said they said over they the said speaker. Where he was. Where, oh, yeah, okay. they were. We'll meet at the blah blah blah. Yeah. Um. So that's how you found them. Well, but Felicity but yeah, a terrible babysitter. Then. Well, we know this, and she's you know she's stepmom in training. She's yeah. She's still figuring it out. Uh, I I really I actually I felt that was much more on an anti Thea position of, <laughs> of, of, of blame, but maybe that she was just me. came out of a coma. Kate. she's a she's a ninja come on <laughs> anyways uh she should be more on top of it than that retired uh, ninja <laughs> i also don't know that they are willing to do what they need to to get me to buy quentin making nope, this move they have not but but what i mean is like he just betrayed the whole team mm-hmm. for black siren and mm-hmm. that needs to have lasting long-term consequences and i don't believe that it will and that's frustrating no no, it's frustrating because it also, like, Paul Blackthorne is, like, way too good for this show at certain <laughs> points. Yeah. And the, they're clearly aware of that, which is why they haven't written Quentin off yet. Because <laughs> they're just like, no, we have to keep we have to keep Paul Blackthorne because he's very good. Um, but it's also one of those issues where, like, they were sort of damned if they didn't and damned if they did sort with the situation. Cause I mean, I remember talking about the fact that it was just really ridiculous that mm-hmm. Quentin was like thinking and like having issues with the fact that black siren equals Laurel. 
And it was just like, this is very ridiculous. Quentin, you're a much smarter, generally self-aware human being than this. And now I thought you were okay. And you, the show just sort of let this plot go away for a little bit. And then they bought it back. And I just went, guys, this is not, this is not a, this is a really weirdly executed sort of redemption storyline that you want to do here. And I'm not buying it for the reason you laid out with like, this is a massive betrayal and Oliver clearly not a big fan of betrayal this season. (laughs) And two, it's like a not great sort of like character move for Quentin. So, yeah. 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 Um, also why does she not just, you know, knock him out with her siren call and escape? That would be really easy to do. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah. anyways, yeah. they're going, to, Don't they're going think about a faith it. route with this. They're going a faith Wesley route with this, just with that yeah. twist of family. And so, you know, we'll see what they do. I hope it's, I hope to be surprised. Uh, th- honestly, just this, it's been so repetitive this season with like the, but I can't trust you. Can you, but can we trust them? No, we can't trust them, but we can trust them. But we have to trust them, but we can't. Like, it's just, we get it. Trust issues. Like that, like season, you know, Arrow season six, colon, Trust issues. Like, let's move on. I, I'm ready, really, really ready for the tension between the two teams to be done. Like, I don't need you to say, we may have worked together this time, but that doesn't change anything. It's like, nobody's right. saying that it did change that anything. They've said it three times now, and it's every time they work together, it's just like, yeah, but this didn't change anything. And it's just like, we know. None of us expected to, guys. In yeah. fact, it, it, it's okay that it didn't. You guys, you guys do you. Yeah, yeah, and the one, and the more, especially the the, the writing they're giving Renee is just bad. Uh, yeah, no, also bad. Remember, he's got a new kid, right? That he's finally yeah, got custody his of his daughter, daughter back, and mm-hmm. they haven't mentioned that once. Doesn't he need? It? He's a single parent. Where has she been? Did yeah. he lose custody again? Because he should have. Yeah, no, he has definitely not lost custody. I feel like she showed up. Uh, right before they formed a new team arrow. Um, cause she was definitely in the apartment when Curtis swung by at some point. Um, but yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on this or, or like how, how is the William stuff working for you? Uh, it's fine. Um, I like when he's in the domestic space. Um, and I like when Oliver's in the domestic space because it gives Oliver, it gives everyone different things to do. Um, and tonally gives writers something different to play. It gives a male something different to play, which I always like when the show gives a male something different to play. And so I like that aspect of it, but it's, so even like his sort of like, buddy, it's going to be okay. Just like look into my Kevlar archer suit, (laughs) (laughs) um, before the guy blows us all up, it's Mm going to be fine. And so I really like that kind of a stuff, but. I it, when he like shows up at the theater, I'm just like, oh, he's the dumb kid, mm-hmm. or sorry, he's the stupid kid. Let's just and it's just like, no, no, he's not the stupid kid. He's it, there's 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 more to William than being sort of like a weird sort of thematic button, which is really why he's at that theater in the first place is to like drive home the thematic sort of father son issue um, that this show just can't let go of, <laughs> but that's why he's there. So it, that's why I like it more in this sort of away from the superhero stuff, um, because it's different 
and it exposes a different side of Oliver that I find really compelling. And when he has to get involved or he's in the arrow cave, it's just like, no, then he's just a thing that gets moved around a board a little bit. And that's not interesting. Yeah. But you know what is interesting and awesome? And let's really congratulate Arrow for it. You know what? I haven't missed at all. The flashbacks. Never bring them back, Arrow. Never yeah. bring them back. I had to like remind myself, oh, that's right. We're not getting flashbacks to terrible wigs. That's yeah. been really great. I am so glad that they finally, way too late in the game, ditched that part of the like the the show's this aesthetic and structure. Yeah, and I mean when they do do flashbacks like they did with um Dinah like and Vigilante, it like informed things. It was fine. I really could have done without them. But it's not a separate fine. plot line. Right, exactly. It's just like it's a one and done sort of episodic thing, which is how you should use those mm -hmm. um, and how you should have been using those. Um, but yeah, and I mean, even this Kane James one uh, was good, mainly because it was just a, well, we've got Michael Emerson for one more episode. Let's let him do some stuff. And it's just like, finally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you looking forward to uh, the the next chapter with Kirk Acevedo? Um, or is it is it too Slade Wilson? It might be too Slade Wilson. I'm worried that it's like too Slade Wilson. But I mean, I like his whole thing of like, you know, destroying the city is just stupid. Like we can take it over instead. And I mean, Slade wanted to burn it all down. Um, everyone wants to burn it all down. And so, provided that they're able to sort of like use um diaz to counter any sort of political stuff that oliver sort of like wants to achieve which is debatable at this point since he's also under investigation by the fbi bt dubs that's something that's still happening yeah um that the show's just sort of like whoops no we've got other things to be repetitive about we'll be repetitive about this thing later don't worry um, <laughs> that that would be interesting. Um, and this idea of corruption within the political sphere that he alludes to, again, is interesting. But, like, I refuse to get my hopes up that Green that Arrow will ever do anything interesting with its political plots because they don't. Is that Black Lives Matter episode still happening this season? It's supposed to. I've been waiting for it to happen. Uh. Um so it hasn't happened yet, and it's definitely not happening next week, because next week is based on the promo. It's time for our heroes to fight each other. And um, so get yeah. ready for that. But Yay. I'm assuming maybe they just quietly scrapped it after everyone went, that's a terrible idea, Mark. Terrible, <laughs> terrible idea. You are not the writers or the show to tell this story. So you need to hire some writers who can do it, or you just back away quietly, just like apologize quietly and back away and then run run yeah and, and you should probably just back away quietly yeah yep yep okay well what wins your weekend genre and drama um let me scroll up and see if i watched anything else this week in drama <laughs> genre. um i i did not oh well that's not helpful um i guess Supergirl both sides now just for the purity stuff I think is what I will give it to very selectively yeah um what me about too. you yeah yeah okay. well Black Lightning I liked but yeah you know, I'll give it I'll give it to uh yeah to they, their episode this week is good because they're transitioning out of the setup stuff and I feel like they're about to like get going which I'm excited about yeah I, I've been enjoying it quite a bit but I feel like there's 
there's another gear that hopefully they'll get into soon. Yeah. So, anyways, now we'll take a break and come back with our season spotlight on One Day at a Time, season two. We have been through so much this year. I mean, the divorce. Lena came out to us. Soon Alex will be out of the house married to his wife with her spray tan legs and fake boobs. I know his type. What? Total game changer. Gotta be honest, guys, I'm feeling great. In work, my two kids, and I'm gonna go back to school. It's all amazing. I'm pretty sure I told you three times already you need to get a summer job. It's like what they say, do what you love and the money will follow. Hi, baby. That's for rich white ladies who want to make jewelry. It's not that big a deal. You better check your tone. What happened? He punched a kid from another school. You shot Beaner, Webbed, Pitbull. Pitbull is the only one that's even close to accurate. Should we call the police? Wait, the army. No, Oprah. She'll know what to do. I'm a veteran with depression and anxiety, but this is my dream. A great family. I already have a great job. When you add school on top of it, it's like I'm trying to do three things great, but I'm just doing them all badly. You don't have to be a superwoman. There can only be one such woman in a family, and that is me. Nailed it. You need to celebrate all the good things happening in your life. I don't understand why you need a gay club. We get it. You're here. You're queer. We're used to it. Move on. Alita, what if someone told you not to talk about being Cuban? I will kick them in the aguacates. Why do you ask? Okay, everybody, I have an announcement. I'm seeing somebody. Ooh. It is a man. Oh. It is a stallion. That was the trailer for season two of One Day at a Time. It was, of course, one of our top ten, top five of last year for season one. And uh, I'm curious, Noel, do you think season two is already making a strong play for that top ten? Yes. It was so good! Uh, it was so good! <laughs> um, Like, I, I, I mean, Kate, you know, and listeners know that I keep a spreadsheet mm-hmm. for everything um, that I watch. And, like, I've got, like, three or four episodes from this season in my notes episodes column because there are just a number of really great episodes in this uh there's a number of really great performances in this and there's also just a number of really great things happening in this season um like i'm looking at the episode list right now and i'm basically just like there's one episode in this entire thing where it's just like we didn't need that episode and that's all i can say it's like everything else i really liked across the board and do you want to guess which episode it was? I'm guessing it's the storage. It's the storage wars episode. Yeah, no, it's just like, it's fine. Yeah. But everything else is just so much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm. You know what? I'm looking at these episodes. There's two things that I immediately think of. First of all, I'm very grateful I did not know the name of the finale. That is a stupid name for the finale because it is a spoiler. And yeah. second of all, uh, these... Because I, I watched this, like, back, I just mar- I mainlined this over the course of a few days, because mm-hmm. I could, and once you start watching, if you can, you're going to want to keep watching. Um, yeah. 
and I so I didn't see I didn't see the titles as they came up. It just like went to the next to the next. Um, but just looking at each of these titles, I can tell exactly what the episodes are about. Yes, and they're so distinct. It's it's really is this highlighting of you know every now and again we talk about how I would love there to be more standalone TV out there shows that felt confident telling a story in mm-hmm. 22 minutes in 44 well, minutes yeah. or however long it is half hour hour whatever it was and obviously there are certain threads that, that go through the entire season uh, most of the season but for the most part these are chapters in the lives of these characters and they are shaped and developed by each chapter but you don't need to like have seen all of the chapters to appreciate that one episode and each of those episodes with again the the least memorable is the storage wars one but but each of those episodes feels essential and specific and memorable in its own mm-hmm. it doesn't re- require everything else around it for it to be good and I, yeah, more no. shows should learn that lesson yeah and i mean like you said there are elements of like character beats and like storylines like um penelope and max or um alana and uh, sam sam yeah yeah um that sort of inform like those are like the two things that sort of run through the entire um season but i mean the way that the show writes like the conversations particularly between penelope and max um you don't need to have seen like the previous episodes that come before that really for it to be affecting like you can watch citizen lydia and everything that's happening with penelope's and childs and children with max without having seen the instigating incident for that in homecoming and it makes complete sense it works really well and it it just it fits and the show is so confident in both the fact that they know they're on netflix and you're just watching them like you're eating pez uh mm-hmm. candy right out of the dispenser one after another but if you take breaks which is how i ended up watching it because my person and i uh, uh would watch it together um over over an internet connection and video chatted at the same time so we did like I want to say like four episodes and then did like another three and then three. And then we watched the last two together uh, when I was down in Tacoma last week and uh, last week, last week. And so like I had it in like really pleasant chunks, but I never felt like I was missing anything by not having binged it basically. And that's how really confident this show is, is that it can be viewed either way, which isn't something you can say for a lot of the good streaming shows where it's basically just like it's best consumed all at once yeah or that um you need to kind of have it blur together or else yeah if you have too much time between to think you'll notice problems you notice those problems exactly um and it's not sam it's sid so i apologize for that thanks yeah Yeah, no and i felt like that was wrong so sid yeah thank you because i don't want to get their name wrong (laughs) yeah zer zer name's wrong uh no i think they're i think i think it's I think they use they. They use they? Okay. I need yeah. to watch that episode again, clearly. I just, it's it's blurred together. But I appreciated yeah. that the in, that conversation, they included uh, non-binary terms other than they and their. Yeah. Uh, because those are sort of the ones that are most out there and most 
common in the little representation that there is. So I appreciated Zer and and uh, was was thrown in the mix too, um, and and some other terminology. And watching, you know, like this is a show that that takes on but non-binary characters as main parts of their you know ensemble cast and it takes on issues of of immigration and citizenship and all these different really specific and really uh topical current issues uh i not obviously being non-binary is not an issue but it's something it's something that uh the existence of non-binary people is something that a lot of uh mainstream maybe american media is just like figuring out now um so so sort of a we exist hello we've been here this whole time um so but but other issues that the show's talked about um over the course of the season this is very much a topical show while also being so universal and so grounded. I, I would love to talk a little bit about we talked about this with season one, but I think it's just as as true, even maybe more true here in season two, the strengths of the live audience. Mm-hmm. This is a show that that like especially the beginning of season one, it took a little bit of getting used to was, there's a little bit of finding its feet and finding its pacing and, and all of that. But in season two, and maybe because I've been trained to watch it through season one but in season two it seemed like they hit the ground running and were just immediately so comfortable in their format so comfortable in their tone and they take advantage of that live studio audience uh to full effect certainly in the finale like just powerfully and so gloriously in the finale but throughout the series it's it, it is the only live studio audience show i think that i watch right now um, or have watched this year so far, but it's such a great example of what you can do with that medium and why there is still vitality in that medium. Yeah, and I and I think a lot of that, like, I mean, I will always tout like the directors of this. So like Pamela Fryman comes in and directs a number of episodes, and like if you watch How I Met Your Mother, if you watch basically any sitcom made from like the '90s forward, you've seen at least one ep- multicam episode of television. Pr- probably directed by Pamela Fryman because she does everything. And, but then you've got Phil Lewis, who's a very old hand at directing virtually everything under the sun. This man's directed episodes of Buffy. He's directed episodes, or well, he started in an episode of Buffy. He did some of like the odd couple reboot. He did some of Dr. Ken, but he also did like undateable and Jesse as short lived as it was. He's done some two broke girls. Basically he's as much of an old hand. Um, he's got as much experience as doing television directing. Um, not nearly as much as Pamela Fryman, but he gets this sort of format because like you were saying, like as a actor, he's just, he's done a lot of like Disney channel work and all of that is multicam stuff. And a lot of that is, especially a lot of those Disney channel shows is a lot of like, pause joke delivery pause laugh kind of stuff but when you know how to do that really well you don't notice those beats and that's something that both Fryman and lewis exhibit throughout season two of like knowing exactly when to tell the actors to pause the actors also know very well when to pause and let things land to let either good jokes land or let really dramatic moments land and so like you mentioned not yet and it's just like Fryman directed and like that kind of an episode is basically just Fryman and bread and butter, but you can feel the audiences just 
responses and their relief when there's a legitimate joke happening <laughs> in that episode. Like when it's like, oh, you made a shrine. Oh, yeah, no, all this stuff is just like you can feel the relief when there's that kind of a thing. And everyone from, again, the actors to the direction like allows that to happen. And so the show's just really immaculately directed as a multicam thing that allows the audience both in the studio but also at home to really experience those same rhythms really, really effectively. Yeah. And and there is a vitality to or, or whenever you see shows that have some of the language of the uh, of older forms or or forms that are less popular and less ubiquitous now than they were sure 10 20 50 years ago on tv you still still taking the strengths of those forms and applying them to very modern stories to very current stories that lends itself to like a it gives an in to maybe audiences who wouldn't be seeking out these stories otherwise, who wouldn't be like, let's go watch a show mm-hmm. about immigration and and immigrant rights, <laughs> you know? Like, let, I, I love that this is the kind of show that you could sit down with, like, I could, if my grandma wanted to watch TV, which she doesn't, but <laughs> if it's not sports, she doesn't really want to watch it. But, but I could sit down with my grandma and watch this show, uh, you know, my had her 80th birthday recently, and and there would be a lot of the beats that she that that she would connect to from you know different show popular TV shows of different eras that this would be a, a common language with. So so it's it shows the strength of that format, but it also shows an awareness of the kind of uh, language you can use, the strengths of universal language, and of starting from a a. It, it, I guess maybe it's easier. It feels like it's easy to take a niche approach to topics that unfortunately are niche on TV because not enough people are talking about them. I appreciate the show taking a more universal approach, a very welcoming approach uh, stylistically to topics that, again, are underrepresented. I talk about this like literally every time we talk about a multicam sitcom, but I mean, also like a lot of that comes down to the fact that it's theater Mm -hmm. in a way that other formats are not. And I mean, it's not theater theater by any stretch of the imagination, but it's set up like a play and like lockdown is like a really good example of like, no, you guys just get the apartment set this week. Mm -hmm. Um, for this episode and a it's really effective because that set is just has a number of different like levels to it um in that it has um lydia's um space it has the kitchen then it has the living room and lydia's space has those two different entrances um to it from the curtain area and then there's that little alcove area in the hallway Mm -hmm. and just it's really well done in that you can have lots of levels of play and to be really effective you need that but that's again coming from like a theater background of like if you have different levels of play you can put your actors in different places and you can have them relate to one another in different spaces which is why like again like the end of citizen lydia works really really well Mm -hmm. and so that you can play with those kind of spaces or you can play with like the lighting of those kind of spaces and all of this goes back to the point that theater 
when you're dealing with universal type of ideas of like ancestry of history of love of uh relationship tensions um all of this stuff is expressed really well through theater and the whole proscenium sort of approach of a multicam sitcom just enhances all of that i think and this show because again of who directs it of some of the actors involved and particularly of the writers and their histories of working on multicam sitcoms just makes a huge difference in how everything gets relayed to us and how we understand everything that's being told to us yeah i absolutely agree uh let's talk about the some of the changes for season two a big yeah. one is we have a lot less time at the office and yeah. the the cast got shrunk down so unlike most shows that expand in season two we got max showing up for a while but um for several of the episodes but um he was not a regular cast member they shrunk down the office to pretty much just be steven tobolowsky and i feel yeah. like that was a good call i liked that if, if you're going to spend more time at the house if you're going to spend more time with different threads of like Lydia deciding if she wants to become an American citizen and like the, and some of this different stuff, they really emphasize Snyder's um, uh, his, his addiction and that, that element like some more about his background, like his, his relationship with his parents, his many, many parents, um, his many, many moms, his many, many moms and his one dad. Um, th- then you have to take the time from somewhere. So I'm glad that it came from the, uh, uh, the workplace and not the uh the the home or the different the different like siblings the kids and the the you know the the, the family unit i guess uh were there any changes that you noticed this season and did they work or would you prefer a different take no i mean i noticed that the hosp- the clinic had gotten shrunk down a lot and that was like fine uh it was never like the most interesting part and when they brought it back they brought it back really well from introducing max when she's doing sort of a uh stint at the hospital to with her nursing stuff or um when they just wanted to have um oh dear um alex uh show up um in work hard play hard um to sort of see what his mom's work day is like i'm putting in air quotes Mm -hmm. she interacts with one grateful and then one very angry patient who also dude know your insurance yeah that's (laughs) so on you (laughs) that is so on you that is not on penelope in any way shape or form that is on you for not knowing your insurance (laughs) um and i get that insurances can be a complicated thing but that's a thing that you should know Mm -hmm. um and yelling at yelling at someone at that clinic is not the way to solve that issue (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah no it was fine because tobolsky just like circles in and out of the narrative anyway since he's just very tethered to um lydia um so when they like have him come forward it's more so in his context in his relationship not as penelope's boss but as lydia's uh gentleman friend mm-hmm. literally and so I, I i appreciated that they were able to make that change on the fly um this is something i kept asking my person about while i was watching and can you tell me because I should have gone back and maybe watched season one, but do you feel like they sort of broadened Elena a bit, a bit this season? Yes. Okay. But but it I, makes sense, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, because she's she's out 
and I think yeah, that makes she's comfortable. A, yeah, that makes a big difference for her. And I think they also um like you get the sense that she is more like she she they play her for comedy more. Yes, but she's she's more self-aware. Yes. In that. And I think that that because she's more comfortable in who she is and she feels accepted by her family, she's more you know, she is more self-aware, more able to be self-aware and to join in on some of the fun. And I appreciated yeah. I appreciate that. I really liked how they used her in general. Like I loved the whole thing in the premiere of um the the person at the stand at the food stand thinking that she's white. Um mm-hmm. and and her being so upset about that and and then the family being like, but like, sweetie, I mean Obviously, you're, we're we're Cuban, and we know you're Cuban. But I mean, have you looked at your face? Of course, they yeah. they might think, "Are you passing?" You shouldn't have to ask that. Yeah. <laughs> and just the way that they 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 then moved her through the season, giving her after the the there, she had a lot of reasons to cry in season one. So I'm glad yeah. that they they did not do that in season two. Yeah, and I was too. I was just something I was like noticing. I felt like she was a lot broader um this season which i was in the end just generally okay with but i like your self-awareness as well because i really like them making the subtext text of uh, her realizing that she is basically lydia uh-huh. yeah and i was just like this is very good and it was very funny and isabella gomez is just so good at playing those beats mm-hmm. um and finding that kind of um of going big but not too big like i think the biggest that she goes is very much in that episode where she's trying to make it as a twitch gamer and mm-hmm. that's that's like as big as like they want to go with that character and i think that's good because going much bigger than that you is not okay i you're you're veering a little too much into rita moreno's territory yeah. and that is something that is only for rita moreno <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of how terrific is she? She's always amazing, but she's so yeah. terrific this season. Uh, mm-hmm. I love everything that they gave her. I love the the sort of the progression of her and Stephen Tobolowsky's like the, the characters' relationships. Um, I, I love the peppering in of Berto, uh, mm-hmm. of Beto over the course of the season. Yep, um, so effective. Uh, I really liked. I mean, like I I tweeted this early on when I was watching, but I I, I can watch Rita Moreno open a curtain, like forever. I will always be a, able to enjoy that. Um, and the the you know it, it's very much the Kramer. How many ways are there to open a door? How yeah. many ways are there to open a curtain? Really, only one if you're Rita Moreno, but you can do it every day, and you'll still right. be fabulous. And then to like poke fun at it with when there are like four curtains, yeah, and it's <laughs> it's such a funny. It's such a very clear joke because they mention the fabrics. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, oh, it's just a quick throwaway. And then they're just like, wait a minute, that curtain looks that curtain looks different. And it's just like, there's four curtains. And it's just, <laughs> the it's timing. Good. Yes, the timing excellent. of that is just so good. Again, yeah. we talk about like how these things get staged and like it's just it's that. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. No. She's just so good and so fabulous. And again, it like goes back to like not yet, mm-hmm. and like a like she spends most of the episode just l- being in that bed, mm-hmm. and then just like gets that last little scene, and it's just like, 
oh, this is so good. And she's so good. But it was also one of those things where I was watching it with my person and we were both just like, well, no, this can't happen because that leaves way too big of a hole in this show mm. that they cannot fill yeah. ever. Mm. The show basically loses like two legs. Mm-hmm. And what legs? Um, yeah, and exactly. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah and, and the this is a very heightened, very dramatic character, right? That right. She loves to say. But they also, of course, make sure to give her material and, and Moreno pulls it in when appropriate right. to show all the range of that character yeah. and of Rita Moreno. Oh. So like when in, in like what happened when, when she's just holding the baby, just watching the TV, mm-hmm. the, the, how quiet and still they are in that scene. They're in the background, but still yeah. like, like there, there's all these little moments of humanity right. and, uh, grounded, uh, honesty that, that, come together to make this performance so terrific. It would be easy to just do the big stuff, but yeah. Rita Moreno is not going to... She, she'll deliver on the big stuff, but she will make sure that throughout, there is always a human being underneath the flare. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what se- separates... That, that's why she's got an EGOT, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Are there any particular episodes that I mean, we've only talked about a couple of the cast members, but I think we could just kind of sing the praises of everybody in this cast, and yeah. that would take too long. Are there any particular episodes that you want to highlight? Um, let's see. Well, I mean, I already mentioned we've already mentioned lockdown. We've discussed a little bit about Tazir with love, Zero with love. Um, let's see. What was the other? Oh, yeah. Well, we haven't talked about Hello Penelope at all. Um. And we probably should. <laughs> yeah, we need to because it's freaking amazing. And so is what happened. They're so different and they're so yeah. powerful. And to put them back to back, to put the episode centering around um, why Pen- Penelope and and Victor re-enlisted immediately with then in a, a, a flashback episode with with this episode that centers on some of the effects of that decision the ptsd mm-hmm. tied in with her own biochemistry and, and brain chemistry the, like penelope decided to, to to go off her antidepressants which was a m- minor threat in season one um and just spiraling into that uh just in, into this self-loathing and despair and and so to, to the decision to put those two back to back without drawing a clear line between them, I thought was particularly powerful. They're both amazing episodes. They were. And I mean, I think that that's a really good point And one that I hadn't really thought of because like I had, I think, I think we had like a gap between watching those two. So we got Hello Penelope and then we watched Storage Wars and it was just like, oh, well, this is our decompression episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And so, like, I like I like both of these paired together, as you point out, makes them like really. They make a really strong point, and but it's just like I think for me, Hello Penelope works a little bit better overall than like mm-hmm. what happened does, um, in part because it's just like a lot of it is requiring me to have like some degree of sympathy for Victor, which is a really hard thing for me to have because <laughs> <laughs> he's the worst. He's the worst. Um. And this, but I like sort of like the conclusion of that, and I like the, and I focus on like the present day stuff and what happened with like the reveal that Alex has been like, you're being an idiot, um, mm-hmm. and like defending Elena and like 
standing up for her within this confines, even if he's hiding it. Um, but your point about like how this informs what happened, the reason why she's on the antidepressants and this kind of a thing and dealing with the PTSD, is, I think is a really significant point that you make. And it, it again, it goes back to this show being really subtle about its episodic versus serialized storytelling. And how you, you can watch Hello Penelope with all needing to know that she's a veteran. That's it. And then what happened just sort of informs it by proxy. Mm-hmm. And I really like, the, again, this goes back to a structure issue, but just, oh, Machado's so good in Hello Penelope that it hurts. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't want to see, there's so many people who were nominated for Emmys this year that I don't want to see up there next year. Yep. Without Machado up there. Because granted, yes, it's easy to be like, oh, look, it's the, the comedic actor did a dramatic episode. That's the one they'll get nominated for. Sure. But she's amazing throughout that episode. She's so good. The writing is really good. The direction is really good. Um, and there's some terrific support from Moreno and also from, you know, Todd Grinnell, who nails what they give Schneider in that episode. Um, but it really, like, to see that start of the episode, at the start of the episode, you see Penelope. And then that's the real Penelope. That's who Penelope is. And then when she's off of her meds, you see what she becomes and what her brain chemistry limits her into being. Um, and, and I love, I love, I was just talking earlier this week before I had seen these episodes about the parallel of people who have terrible eyesight like myself and that being a disability. And that being, mm-hmm. it's not your fault. It's nothing you can do about it. But like, but it's, it's like, that's a clear, significant, like, if I lived back in the day, <laughs> I would be useless because I have terrible eyesight. So if I didn't have glasses or contacts, I couldn't do anything for myself at a certain point, you know, um, if, if I was back in the day. Um, and, and, and so, like, this idea of that being a parallel that they can look at. You know, that Schneider can just pull to you. Yeah, you want to go for a drive? It's not, it's not your fault that this, that your, that her brain, it's not her fault that her brain chemistry is limiting her and is, is holding her back and is impairing her for being herself. And so the, the idea that she needs to take antidepressants might not be fair, might not be right, might be really upsetting and traumatizing for her and frustrating, but that doesn't change the necessity of it. I loved that scene. I loved Machado throughout the episode and I hope more people, if, if, if and that's a great episode just to watch by itself. And yeah. if it gets more people to watch one day at a time, great. And if it gets people who watch one day at a time to take more interest into, into antidepressants and, and into mental health and into t- respecting and understanding what that means and what that needs, then yay for that too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, and it's just formalistically, it's a really great episode as well, because like the lighting in Schneider's apartment when uh, uh, Penelope goes there is really, it's dark, but it's like lit again in that very kind of like stage way of like you Mm -hmm. get a little bit of light on the couch and that's really all you get because this is where we need to draw our focus, but this is also where like all the action is happening. And I mean, people talk about how like bright um, multicam sitcoms are, but like when they need to be dark, like they are in this particular episode and uh, including also in like Penelope's bedroom. Um, 
the effectiveness of that, that contrast, the juxtaposition is so important and it keys you in emotionally and visually into everything that you need to understand about what's happening without even necessarily having to pay attention to what's being said, even though you should be because the writing is phenomenal. Um, <laughs> and the delivery of that writing is also phenomenal. It's just, it's re- it's all just really well executed across the board. And then when you think about the fact that this episode is this episode this entire season really is so driven by a variety of social issues and social awareness issues to basically say and again bouncing off like the show's point but also your point about needing glasses versus needing antidepressants it's just like you don't have a stigma about needing contact lenses and glasses there shouldn't be a stigma about needing antidepressants yeah and it's just like these are very big things that a show is saying in a very quiet but very powerful way yeah absolutely um we should also just quickly mention that schneider gets a lot more depth this season he does i really appreciated that because like they they mostly use the comedic foil in season one and he's that in season two as well but i loved by the you know the the different snippets we get about him and his family and his his progression we get a bunch with uh in hello penelope hello penelope um we also get quite a bit in not yet but this idea of like this of him having made at a certain point this very conscious choice to spend more time with this family yeah. um, because like in just invite himself in because first of all, based on everything they say about who they are, because like they say we're Cuban, which means this, but just their, their family, their, their dynamic, he can just invite himself in and he will be welcomed at a certain point, but also because it helps him stay sober and it makes him a better person and he can understand and respect that. Oh, it's absolutely gorgeous. And it makes it, it, takes care of a problem with the setup of the show why does this guy just keep showing up because he understands that these people make him better and he doesn't want to be the person he is when he's not around them uh even if it does lead to him making creepy snow globes creepy snow globes that was like that wasn't creepy when we saw it i thought the right blend of homemade and 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 sweet and a little creepy but also very very contextually very sweet contextually very sweet but also we get like his whole thing in let's see what's the episode um work hard play hard no not that one no um, it's it's in storage wars it's in it's storage like the wars. only good thing about storage wars um <laughs> is like his whole thing of like well no you can be the repairman but can you be the super and it's by establishing connections with everyone in the apartment and like that kind of a thing of like you didn't spend the entire day with these people and watch Jeopardy with them? What were you thinking? This is really important. But it's A, important, but it's B, important for him in, like, a sense of recovery. And so I really like how that gets connected back when he's talking about, like, what he's talking about in Hello Penelope, but also what he's talking about just for an entire, like, five minutes and not yet. And so it's just really, really good. And again, like, yeah, Schneider gets fleshed out so much this season. And Todd Grinwell, Grinnell is just there for it. And he's, like, knocking it out of the park. Everyone's knocking everything out of the park again. Mm-hmm. It's a very uh, out-of-the-park season. Everybody nails it. And it's very intelligently structured. We get just enough of a lot of different... We get just enough Victor. We get just enough Beto. We get just enough of a bunch of different people. And they found space for Judy Reyes, which I was glad for. Oh, I'm always... <laughs> (laughs) always glad for space for judy reyes (laughs) 
Um, any final thoughts on One Day at a Time besides, you know, y'all go watch One Day at a Time. We kept things spoiler-free for you, mostly. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even really, like, get into big stuff about, like, the finale, but we didn't need to because it was easy enough to talk around it. Um, but yeah, no, just go watch this. It's, like, it's, it's, it's so good and you should watch it and watch it with your family Mm -hmm. and watch... I think that's something really key. Like, I mean, my experience of getting to watch this with someone else was like really pleasant and really delightful because watching Hello Penelope by myself would have been terrible. Watching it with someone else was terrible, but at least someone else was as stressed out about that episode as I was <laughs> at the same time. And that made me feel better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, watch, watch this with your family, watch this with someone close to you and taking the messages because it's just it's it's very message driven without ever really feeling like very special episode of one day at a time addresses ptsd no it addresses ptsd as a matter of course and never lets you really forget that she's a veteran that she's driven by this stuff and this stuff is important and that's really key to a lot of these characters whether it's lydia's uh personal history whether it's alana's um alana being queer all of this stuff drives and informs both the plots and the and the characters without ever falling into that very special episode trap what he said watch the show it's very good a few show notes here at the end of our uh, episode you can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's tv you can send us an email theteleverse at gmail.com you can like our page on facebook start up a conversation there you can also find us on itunes with them for a chaptered feed an mt3 unchaptered feed we're also in stitcher we'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place it helps other people find the show and lets us know that you're listening which hey alex thank you for listening and anybody else who's listening thank you for listening too um you can also of course find us both on twitter i am at the televerse noel you are at noel rk and thank you noel thank you kate thank you everyone for listening through this extra long episode (laughs) we'll be back with a more regular length hopefully episode next week 